0: Episode 274, Hot Hotshot Scott, yes. of Mitch Unfiltered. And I have one thing to say to you before we start. Okay. Before we begin the show, as uh, Slick would say, <laughs> leave your ego at the door. Please. Oh,
1: that could have been 11 hours and I would have loved it. I would have hung on every word the whole time. It was awesome. I loved it.
0: The Greatest Night in Pop yeah, is, is a, a Netflix good. documentary about... The recording of We Are the World. Which I would think when I'm watching it that everybody would remember We Are the World. And then it dawns on me that it was like 40 <laughs> years ago. I was like in fifth grade when it came out. How could it be in 40 years I know, ago?
1: I know. That's crazy. So there's been a making of We Are the World out for like 40 years. So I was like, well, I feel like I know enough about it. I don't so need to never watch seen it. that. Yeah, I own it because I'm a psycho. Yeah. And, but watching this, watching the current... Interviews with like Huey Lewis and Cindy Lauper, because you forget Huey Lewis's big record sports came out in 85. So he was kind of new. Like we just look at Huey Lewis as like some pop legend, right? He'd been popular for like a year. So even he was nervous and he had to take over. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but the fact that he took over for Prince was like he said he was shaking in his
0: boots. But you don't think about that. He was the Huey be, in my estimation. Yeah, he was the best part of the whole documentary. He was great. I loved his modesty. I don't know a better way to articulate it. There was a humble thing about how nervous he was and how in awe he was of all these people. He was a pretty big star at the time, as you say. He was just getting started, but I felt like his commentary throughout the entire documentary was the single best part of it. The self-deprecating humor to it, it was really good. Cindy Lopper in 1985. Was adorable, by the way?
1: Oh, was I making noise? <laughs> taking her bracelets off and the whole thing. I loved it. And with Diana Ross, well, I don't want to give it but at the end when she's kind of bummed out it's over, I was like yeah. feeling
0: the same way. Like I'm bummed the out. The whole thing I'd is cry with you. But I'm sitting there watching it the other night with my wife wondering if you're not old enough, let's say, what was it? 1985, do we decide? You are correct. Okay, so that is what, 38 years ago, 39 years ago? I'm wondering if you're 30 years old right now. Is that documentary interesting to you? Do you get into that documentary if you're 35 and you were not born in 1985 when this thing happened? Are you interested in it? Or is it just us altacockers who remember it so vividly that it's that part of it that makes it so good? I do think it kind of had to be there. I don't think you can
1: appreciate the star power in that room unless you were there, unless you were a kid or someone who listened to music back then. I mean, the star power, it was just second to none. Like you can't, you'll you'll never do better than that.
0: There'll never be that kind of talent in one room again. It was the dream team. What was that? 1980? 1992. Yeah. It was, it was Jordan and Barkley and Malone all together on one team. Yep. And the line that I used, which I think should have been the title, leave your ego at the door. Was the Quincy Jones? Didn't he go to Garfield High School? By the way, I think he went I to Garfield. I think he has a Seattle connection. There is a Se- I think he might have gone
1: to Garfield High School. I think Ray Charles came up playing clubs in Seattle with Quincy, right. and there's a connection somehow. So yeah.
0: to have all these people, yeah. all these super mega stars there. He puts a sign up, leave your ego at the door when they all come through.
1: And they did for the most part. For the most part, yeah. For the most part. But they are competitive and they want to outsing each other and there was a little bit of it. And they it, each
0: but- want a solo and Of
1: course, yeah. How do you decide that, right? I mean, that's Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the dream team
0: if Prince would have been there,
1: yeah. That's like Isaiah being left off of the Well you know? he decided
0: not to come. Isaiah would have been there had he been invited.
1: <laughs> he wasn't asked. That's a difference, I guess. Prince was asked and he just decided yeah. not
0: to show up because he wanted what his own room or something? Yeah, and he, he wanted, wanted to do to... a guitar solo yeah. and he's just difficult yes. and
1: he's just yeah. Prince, you know. Yeah. God love the guy. Anyway. But yeah. yeah, Michael Jackson, the biggest star in the world, is just there by himself laying down chorus. There's a whole award show going on. <laughs> God knows how many he won. Well you know, he's just there by himself. Crazy. May-
0: and then they all start showing up one after the next. But what about the, Driving interview, in. the interviews
1: yeah. with like the like this is what I'm
0: fascinated by. I want to hear from the camera people. Well, they were in it. I'm trying to get some of them on the show. OK, good. The yeah. lighting people, oh. the camera people <laughs> who didn't know what they were getting themselves into. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're in that room. What kind of stories have they been telling their families Unreal. and friends
1: for the last 40 years? You see, he looks up, there's Bruce Springsteen four <laughs> feet away. Oh, Bob Dylan's <laughs> next to him. Like, what is happening right and now? And why is Dan Aykroyd <laughs> there? Well, it was weird. They, they sort of hit on it that the woman who worked for the, the label said, I really wanted Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I heard her but say that. But she didn't really tell us why. No, was it the Blues Maybe Brothers Maybe the Blues connection? Brothers connection. Maybe they worried they weren't going to have any star power and they could get him. And I don't know. He's just
0: back there not saying a word with his glasses on.
1: I know. Pretending like he's singing. (laughs) I know. So who has the best solo in the whole thing? If you have to pick, like, number one, your favorite. It's tough, right? It's hard. I have one. And I've said it on podcasts, the music podcasts in the past.
0: Of every one of
1: them. Yeah. Who just blows you away? Who just nails it? I'm going to say Huey Lewis. Yeah, he's good. He is good. Yeah.
0: I would say probably either Huey Lewis or it would be one of three. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Huey Lewis. Yeah. Bob Dylan's up there after yeah. I never realized how much he how difficult scared to death. He was scared. He
1: didn't look it. He was scared <laughs> like to death. Like the greatest singer-songwriter of our generation is fucking paranoid up there. He
0: looked like he was Springsteen was great. Yeah. Right. So which one is yours?
1: Steve Perry blows me oh, away. He great. He just marches up with his hands in his yeah. pockets and yeah. just that voice just blows everyone out of the they water. They all
0: were good. The funny thing is, they all were great, and it feels like when you listen to the song, and maybe it's just the way it is. I guess it was Lionel Richie. Whoever it was that was deciding who got what part, mm-hmm. they nailed, like, Huey Lewis got exactly the right part for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, Cindy Loppers.
1: Oh. That's not by accident, by the way. That's Quincy and Lionel being like music geniuses who... They know exactly.
0: Springsteen shouldn't have sang any other part than the one he did. It
1: was crazy. I know. Everything just fit.
0: And nobody really cares about this. (laughs) I could do another two hours on it. Let's go. (laughs) It was so good. Yeah. So good. Watch it. It's called The Greatest Night in Pop if you have Netflix. And you remember We Are the World. It's the making. It's how it all came together. It's how it almost all fell apart. and How they worked through the night after the American... I didn't know any of that stuff.
1: Did you know any of that stuff? Well, I did talk about it on the Lionel Richie podcast I did for the patrons, but um, Mm. apparently you didn't listen.
0: No, I'm sure I listened to that one.
1: So Lionel Richie hosts The AMAs. He
0: gets like nine awards. But he's he's probably
1: got to get there early. He's the host. He's got to rehearse and sound check. He gets there early. He hosts the show. He performed twice that night. Really? He won, I think, six awards. Outrageous. Remember, he kept saying every time he won. (laughs) He he doesn't get to go relax after that night, which all of us would want to do. Go have a drink, chill out. No, no. He goes right to the studio and has to herd cats for like... They got done at like 7.50 in the morning. Think about Lionel's night. What a night that he must... Crazy. Really? No one's had a busier, more successful God. night than Lionel Richie, that 24 hours.
0: Episode 274. It's not the greatest night in pop, but it's episode 274. <laughs> no, it of is Mitch not. Hey, by
1: the way, I can do a pretty good impression. I'm not doing it. Of every every part of We Are the World. It's, it's not a good impression, but I've been doing it for like a week. I can't stop doing it. I go through and do an impression of all of them. It's... It's give, me, per, give me one. Uh, can no, I request no, no, no. one? No, no, no. Because no, no. I'm sitting down, and you know, okay. I, I got to be able to breathe. With okay. this, you know the whole All thing, right. but I love doing it.
0: Well, this is episode two hundred seventy four of Mitch Unfiltered, Appleton, Wisconsin. Oh. Hello, oh. Green Bay, Wisconsin Osh gosh, Wisconsin. Hello, wow. Sheboygan, Wisconsin. <laughs> Hello. It's fun to say Northeast <laughs> Wisconsin. The truth is that area code two seventy four. Episode two hundred seventy four. Mitch Unfiltered it's actually not in existence yet it's about to be turned on any day now oh they earmarked it for the first quarter of 2024 that's when area code 920 that's the main area oh. code for that that region all these new area codes are because they're running out of phone numbers so they anticipated running out of a phone number of 920s in the first quarter of 2024, and, and 274 is going to be the new area code.
1: Now ask Levy when his kid's birthday is. i will have to take a second to think about it, but this shit, he's all over. He's all over oh, when they're going to turn it on. I got
0: stuff, and I know we've got Mike McDonald, and yeah, I know oh, we've got yeah. Mariners Trades, yeah. and I know we've got a lot to get to on this episode 274, but we really need to talk about Appleton just for a second. Go ahead. Appleton, Wisconsin, do you know where Appleton, Wisconsin is? No, I, I think there's a comedy club there. I, I know that. Well, there's a hotel there. I know that because whenever the media goes... Whenever we used to travel with the Seattle Seahawks to go watch Mike Holmgren play against the Green Bay Packers, I was at at least two or three Seahawks-Packers games, playoff games. We always stayed in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is, I guess, an hour down the road, I think, 45 minutes down the road from Green Bay. Sounds very KJR. Yeah, we'll shoot him out. No, that's where the cheaper. team... St- I, oh, where every- I think that's where everybody. I staying. thought it was an hour from, like, the stadium. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Why not stay by the stadium? Because I don't think there was a lot <laughs> of right. options in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay, but I don't fine. remember. I don't, I don't remember that being a KJR thing. Fine. Take it back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they... Take it back. Yes, they, they spare gonna be ma- no expense. They're
0: going to be mad. They ass.
1: spare no expense on travel, typically. I'm sorry.
0: Appleton, Wisconsin, is in the heart of the Fox River Valley, I'll have you know. Okay. In North east wisconsin names like rocky blyer yes. tony kubek and greta van Sustren, all from appleton wisconsin little appleton wisconsin a guy by the name of brad smith he's the president and head of legal department at a little company called microsoft a oh, mild job yes i don't think you had brad smith's job i didn't no Oh shit okay i thought i did <laughs> they were in big trouble if you did <laughs> Some man named Willem Dafoe. Do you know Willem Dafoe, the actor? He's got a unique look, that fella. Four-time Academy (laughs) Award-nominated actor like Platoon and To Live and Die in L.A. But none of those are the ones, none of those are the most popular and most famous name from Little Appleton, Wisconsin. That belongs to a boy, a baby, that was born with the name Eric Weiss in Budapest, Germany born in like 1874 in Budapest, Germany his parents put the kids on a boat and they came over to the United States in 1878 when little Eric Weiss was 4 years old and they settled of all places in Appleton, Wisconsin the boat took a wrong turn, holy (laughs)
1: shit how did we get here, what the
0: hell where's the Statue of Liberty and all that, and little Eric Weiss hotshot, was consumed with magic he loved magic. Oh. In particular, he fell in love with escape magic. Yeah, like my least favorite, but yes. That's your least favorite? That's so stressful. I hate it <laughs> with a passion. He was the son of a rabbi, and he decided he was going to give magic magic a run. But he didn't want to go by Eric Weiss. Yeah. No. He actually lived in a part of Appleton called Houdini Plaza. Mm. So he changed his name to David Copperfield? (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Nice! (laughs) He's older than I thought. Holy shit. (laughs) Young Harry Houdini is from Appleton in Wisconsin. And when you see somebody escape from something, like even in sports, we use it all the time. He pulled a what? He pulled a Houdini. He yeah. pulled a Houdini. It's amazing the staying power that name has had, right? 125 years Absolutely. or Absolutely.
1: That's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you know how he died or how they say he died? No, I don't. Really? No. So he had like these crazy like six-pack abs. He was like pretty built for it. For, so he had a thing where anyone could come up and give him a shot to the gut and it wouldn't phase him. <laughs> Word has it. Somebody did it when he wasn't ready oh, out of no. the blue. and he that's his heart well it's like internal bleeding or something oh, and
0: shit that's how he. well of, he of died. All the shit he got out of that's how you go 1926 is when he died okay how does it say he died something completely different no i don't i just oh. saying it. he died in 1926 he was born in budapest in 1874 they settled in appleton wisconsin and they lived in an area called houdini plaza amazing and that's how he got his name harry houdini Son of a rabbi. Crazy. The greatest escapist of all time. He really From Appleton, was. Wisconsin. He
1: really was. Yeah. Impressive. It'd be cool if somehow you could go back and tell him, like, look, we'll be talking about your name yeah. for the next hundred. I promised you we will. He's like, now what are you talking no, Every time in sports, <laughs> somebody
0: escapes a pocket. He pulled a Houdini.
1: That's right. Pulled a Houdini. I know. That's we haven't crazy. done. Copperfield's like, I've been here a long time, guys. <laughs> when is it going to be a Copperfield? <laughs> Never? <No. laughs> Doug Henning? Copperfield once got mugged somewhere and he was able to do sleight of hand with his wallet and uh, they did not get it. That's my favorite David is Copperfield true? story of all time, yes. Or is that myth? It could be both, but I'm going to say it's true. Oh, okay. He somehow was able to slide a hand it away from yes. them and they didn't get his wallet. God, I love that.
0: If you are new to Mitch Unfiltered, our show can be found on all major podcast platforms, ladies and gentlemen, like Apple and Spotify, please... Listen to the show. Every Monday you get the big show. Subscribe to us. It's free to subscribe. Rate and review us. Maybe tell a few friends. You get the one long-form show per week on Mondays, Hot Shot, and then a handful of shorter shows throughout the week for what we call Mitch Unfiltered Patrons. It costs $5 a month. We did a bunch of them on the new coach of the Seahawks last week, so whenever anything is pressing, any news comes about, we do Patron shows for the patrons, $5 a month to become a patron. All you got to do is go to MitchUnfiltered.com and click on the little link that says become a patron. It's $5 a month, and then you get all of our bonus content throughout the week, not just this Monday free show. And if the $5 is a problem, just write me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com and say, hey, I can't do the $5. The point of the $5 is not to price people out of the market. Right. If the $5 is a genuine issue for you, write me Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com and I'll take care of it because I want people to enjoy the bonus content if they truly want it. Yep. You can also write me your thoughts on the show. Oh, no, please don't. Hey, Mitch, love the show, a patron in Tucson, Arizona. Not sure how much you plan to discuss the Super Bowl, being that you and Scott already announced that you don't want to root for either team. (laughs) Last year on one of the shows, you recommended a proposition wager of Isaiah Pacheco's rushing yards. I bet it, and it was an easy winner. So I'm asking, do you have one this year? I really should retire after one yeah. hit. Yeah, can
1: only go downhill.
0: The wagering on the Super Bowl is as follows. Chiefs plus two, two and a half, or 49ers minus two and a half. 49ers are the favorite. Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to like the Chiefs. I don't know if you're talking to people. Everybody loves the Chiefs. The over-under is 47 and a half. Uh, The money line, if you don't want to do the two and a half, you can take the Chiefs straight up, plus 105. If you take the Niners and not give the two and a half just to win the game, it's minus 125. When I look at the game, I'm not sure who I really, really like. And then earlier today, I looked up last year's game. I remembered that the Seahawks played the AFC West. I don't know if you remember that from not not this past year, but yep. 2022, they played the AFC West because okay. I remember them playing Kansas city on like Christmas day or Christmas Eve. I was in California. Remember I was stuck in California. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. So I remembered that the AFC West played the NFC West last year. I was like, Hmm, I wonder who won the game when the chiefs played the 49ers last year, the last time they played. And they happened to play in week four of the season. They played in San Francisco or Santa Clara. Final score, Chiefs 44, Niners 23. (laughs) Okay. They had all the great defensive players that we know that San Francisco has. And Mahomes went for 25 of 34, 423 yards and three touchdowns in San Francisco. Now, you might say, hold on a minute. It wasn't Purdy. It was Garoppolo. Yeah. Well, Jimmy G threw for 303 yards in that game and two touchdowns. And they still lost by three touchdowns. And there was no for Kansas City, no Tyreek Hill. They had nothing more than they have right now. Okay? And they went to San Francisco and won. So, I'm leaning Chiefs, but my one proposition bet. I noticed when I was when I was viewing all of the proposition bets that there is an over under, this is a little one, on Purdy's rushing yards. Hmm. Okay. Now, you don't think of Purdy as a runner, do you? No,
1: nah, pretty good at escaping. I wouldn't call him slow. No. Yeah, he can pick up eight if he has to.
0: They're not going to design... He's not going to read option and take the ball around the... Where he's going to get his rushing yards is on scrambles, yep. right? He might take off He'll once or it. twice, right? He'll do a Houdini and get out. And I thought that Purdy at 12 and a half seemed low. So I started to look into it. And here's what I found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Against Detroit last week, he scrambled five times for 48 yards. Mm. Against Green Bay the week before, he... He scrambled six times for 14 yards. Okay? Okay? And then I decided to look at the Chiefs and the quarterbacks they play. Here are the last five quarterbacks that the Chiefs have played, playoffs and back into the regular season. Lamar last week, 54 yards. Josh Allen the week before, 72 yards, mostly on scrambles. Tua, who never runs, ever runs, Mm -hmm. because every run is a concussion for him. 25 yards against the Chiefs on that cold day in the playoffs. Jake Browning never runs. Not super fast. 32 yards against the Chiefs defense, all on scrambles. So I get 12 and a half. Yeah. I'm going over 12 and a half. You want my Pacheco bet from last year? (laughs) Yeah. You want my one proposition bet? I'm going Purdy over 12 and a half. He takes off one time where the, the protection breaks down, and he scoots for 15, and boom. <laughs> Remember now, in the NFL, it's different than college. Yeah, I got to remind you. When you
1: get a sack, it doesn't count. It against does not it, yeah. count
0: against you in the NFL. It does in college, in your rushing yards. Yep. So any sack, the only negatives that you get is if you actually, on a design run, which he won't have design runs, yeah. loses yards. All he's got to do is escape the pocket, pull a Houdini, <laughs> yes. and go for over 12 and a half yards, and we win.
1: I'm gonna head to Snoqualmie at the old uh, casino. I'll be that's right my, back. Okay, that's my
0: blue plate special. Will you be betting that? Yes. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, I bet the Pacheco one last. Oh, you year. did. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the Snoqualmie casino out near you. I'll probably put a wager on the game too because I feel like I need to have a side. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'll just I'll just bet the Chiefs on the money line, not, not like take it. the points. Yeah. Just yeah. take the just take the Chiefs and get plus 105, but I'm definitely putting money on over 12 and a half. Hold me I to like that. It. Let's go. Guests on this episode, 274. I know I've lost my credibility, but I'm going to say it again. Really good informational guests. Okay. Really good guests. Guest number one is my old pal Jason Lock and four. Where does he live? Baltimore. Who does he watch closer than any other NFL team? The Baltimore Ravens. What defensive coordinator has he watched every day for the last two years very, very closely? That guy that the Seahawks hired. Mike McDonald is his name. What a fool believes. That's right. I'm just going to say, if you're a Seahawks fan, you want to listen to the Jason Lock and Forrest segment.
1: Okay. And we know Jason doesn't hold back. He doesn't give vanilla answers. In fact. If he hated Mike McDonald or loved him, he's going to tell you.
0: before we even get to Mike McDonald, Uh he told me some stuff on the show about ben johnson mm. the other guy yeah, the yeah. detroit lions guy and how the nfl the word around the nfl is people are pissed at him really because he had a terrible bedside manner he and his agent screwed the whole thing up wow. they told people after they were in, in flight to go interview him it was just a, a disaster like a colossal so much so you'll listen to the interview Lock and Fora is saying Johnson's going to have to repair some bridges if he wants to come out and try to be a head coach next year. There are people saying some really shaky things about him behind closed doors. The guy you
1: loved and wanted and would have hired if you were in charge.
0: No, I wanted Dan Quinn. Oh, that's true. Yes. <laughs> Fine. But I wanted him too. Yes, you did. And I would have taken him over Mike McDonald. Yes, I, I might be the only one. Yes, though. turns out. So Jason Lock and four is going to speak to Seahawks fans on what we're getting in Mike McDonald and I'm just going to say it, you're going to want to run through a fucking wall. Can't wait. When you hear what Lock and Forrest said. Can't wait. And you're right. If he didn't like him, oh, he yeah. would tell you he didn't like him. For he, sure. He would not hold back. Nope. To say that he likes him, <laughs> understatement. Can't wait. All right. Jason Stark is segment number two, the Hall of Fame baseball writer, my buddy now at The Athletic. He's going to surprise you a little bit with his thoughts on the 2024 Seattle Mariners who made a couple acquisitions. We'll talk about it during the other stuff segment.
1: Yeah, making some moves.
0: Yeah, he's going to give a a different perspective on them and the American League West and their chances this year, which I was actually a bit surprised to hear. Okay. And then Danny Kelly, a senior NFL writer for The Ringer? Mm-hmm. There's been some major conflicting reports about Michael Penix Jr. at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Was he good in practices? Was he not good? Did people like him? Did people not like him? We've heard all kinds of different beliefs about him at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Danny Kelly was at the Senior Bowl. Nice. He covered every practice. He talked to all the NFL scouts on the sidelines, and he will tell us the truth about what Michael Penix did or didn't do <laughs> in Senior Bowl practices, plus... He thinks there's a shot, an outside shot of three or four Huskies in the first round of the NFL draft. He'll talk about what the Seahawks might be looking at at number 16 Mm -hmm. and all that jazz. Oh, and they were all talking about because the Senior Bowl practices coincided with Mike McDonald signing with the Seahawks. Yeah. So all the NFL people that were there were talking about Mike McDonald. And again, you can't find, and we'll talk about him in segment one, you can't find anybody that has a bad word about mm, this guy. Great. Everybody says this guy is unbelievable. Love it, too good to be true. Does feel that way right yes. now. Yes, <laughs> I haven't even heard the
1: interview, and it feels that way.
0: <laughs> Hot shot, let's officially begin episode two seventy four. After a few thoughts about our partners, Zeke's Pizza Delivery for the Super Bowl: ten dollars off of all orders that are forty bucks or more by using the code Pigskin ten. Final day of the promotion this year, so get your $10 off on all Super Bowl Sunday orders with great Northwest pizza and beer delivered to your door. Use the Zeke's Pizza app and type in the code PIGSKIN10 for $10 off of your order. The Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage and Jordan Flowers' team mortgage rates are falling and Jordan's group is ready to help all of us take advantage. Really creative solutions. 425-890-2957 Evergreen Govcall, Call tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com more than just a financial advisor. evergreen Green is everything wealth Daniel's Broiler is rolling into 2024 with a massive remodel of the original Daniel's Leshy location on the shores of Lake Washington a birthday, an anniversary a special occasion at Daniel's Broiler world class steakhouses and John Waterstrat Fireside Home Solutions with a beautifully remodeled flagship showroom in Bellevue now stretching across the state to eastern Washington Fireplaces, gas, wood burning, garage doors, com. Episode 274, Mike McDonald. There's a new general in town, and it begins right now
2: unfiltered six weeks ago if you would
0: ask me what's the name of the offensive coordinator of the detroit lions yes i have a podcast i probably would have said i don't know john schmagecki right i don't know and if you would have asked me what's the defensive coordinator's name of the ravens 10 or 12 weeks ago i probably would not have been able to come up with mike mcdonald unfiltered here is a man who is a 95 percent first ballot hall of famer who played 21 years and the shittiest Five years of his career, (laughs) not even close. Yeah, not even close. Happened to be, not when he was 38 years old, when he was 26 in Seattle. Mitch is unfiltered. All right, episode 274, Hotshot Scott, is now officially underway. Appleton, Wisconsin. Hello. Just a quick follow-up on your buddy Harry Houdini. Yeah. Or, a, or as I call him, Eric Weiss, sort Eric of a Weiss. rabbi. Yes, That's right. Yep. Uh,
1: the Houdini Museum bills itself as the only building in the world entirely dedicated to Houdini. Where do you think that museum is. It
0: better be in Appleton, Wisconsin, Scranton, Pennsylvania, of all effing places. God. we're back to Signed, Scranton. Something we've talked about a million times on this show. For you know, your family's from there. The whole two, thing. two episodes ago was episode two seventy-two. Area code oh, of Scranton, shit. Pennsylvania. Why is the? Why does Scranton, Pennsylvania
1: have the? There's <laughs> one in New York, I guess. Too. There's probably a bunch of different. I don't know Jesus why Scranton really? puts his nose into everything. I don't know. Great question. Mm. By the way, I got to tell you, I love Jeff Perlman on the last episode. Oh, did you listen? Can we get more of him? Did he talk about Otani jerking off? I mean, did I have to hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Perlman just lets it go. He doesn't give a shit what anyone thinks, man. He, no. he was really there good. There might
0: have been a couple F-bombs in there. Yeah, too. yeah. There,
1: there was. Yeah. And he was just awesome. Oh, I'm glad that you it. listened. Yeah. I listened to your work. Yeah, but it, one out of every four episodes. But that was good. Thank you. I picked a good one to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, he's
0: good. He was pretty funny,
1: man. I Did
0: you hear it. him bust me on the Tupac? Oh, he didn't
1: hesitate to bust you on the Tupac. Okay, let's
0: let's be clear for your audience. <laughs> Two minutes ago, before we started recording, you <laughs> yeah. called him Tupac. That's right. And I'm then he like, asked, "Thank you, me. thank you for that."
1: You could name five rappers. He asked you that, and you you bailed. But I think you could probably, if you had to. Hey, you has been around for fifty, sixty—I don't know how yes, long. Yes, I it's could. Been. You could, yes. Yeah. And Barry Manilow's not one of them. No? Oh, no. Billy Joel? Not. Sorry. <laughs> nope. Sorry. MC Joel is not one of them. Oh, no. God. Yes.
0: Well, there's an old expression. I don't know who was the first to say it, Hotshot. It goes something like this. If something seems too good to be true... It typically is. That's the expression. Yep. I'm damn worried about this Mike <laughs> McDonald thing. <laughs> Me too. John Schneider flies to Detroit on Monday to interview Ben Johnson... He may or may not have found out mid-flight that Ben Johnson wasn't really all that interested. Yeah. And then Ben Johnson started telling people, I want 16 or $15 million a year. And he pissed off the Washington Commanders. And he pissed off the Seattle Seahawks. And he pissed off everybody else in the NFL. Now everybody's mad at Ben Johnson. So Schneider and the group descend upon Detroit on that Monday a week, last week. Mm-hmm. And then they go on Tuesday to Mike McDonald. They hire him on Wednesday, he flies to town, they party at Daniel's Broiler. Mike McDonald and John Schneider have a couple of pops. Yeah, It's crazy. You can't find one person in the NFL, around the NFL, even Seahawks fans. You can't find a person to say one, forget bad word about the guy. How about a mediocre word that he's just... Meh
1: in some certain regard. Are you talking X's and O's, personality, everything? shot.
0: everything. Okay. Everything. I'm getting nervous. He is too perfect. He's the best defensive mind in the National Football League. He's an incredible leader and innovator. He graduated summa cum laude at Georgia. You know these people that, like, have everything going for themselves? Yes. He married an NFL cheerleader. Oh, boy. He's a great guy. He doesn't seek out attention. He's modest. He's honest. He's genuine. He's a can't miss. I'm reading to this. He gets more pressure on quarterbacks than anyone in the NFL, and he doesn't blitz to do it.
1: (laughs) Now I'm speaking Levy's language right here.
0: (laughs) The Michigan defense that won the national championship by beating your beloved Washington Huskies, built by this guy a year earlier. He's kryptonite for Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is afraid of Mike McDonald and doesn't want to ever play against Mike McDonald, and now he's in the same division as Mike McDonald. He took guys off the scrap heap like Jadavian Clowney, whose career was over, like two or three guys, and he made them into virtual pro bowlers. Yeah,
1: The guy is too good to be true. Yeah, I'm getting nervous. Yeah, because Pete Carroll, no one really liked him when he got hired, and he won the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> So now you're telling me the, the guy that everyone loves... It's gonna also it can't win work win. hot shot. No, it can't. I know. I don't think he's gonna last the first year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Jim Mora. How long did Mora last?
0: Did he last a year or two? One. Yeah, one, yeah, yeah. They actually fired him before he knew it while he was addressing the media <laughs> about his second year. They were down down in LA hiring Pete Carroll. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Oh.
1: Yeah, this this is exciting though. I mean, I hope it all works out. I, mean, I just, you know, at some point you
0: gotta have the horses though, right? You got to have the guys to do it with. So. No, this guy is so oh, good. He, he he could take 11 school kids <laughs> and make him into one of the best defenses in the NFL. I hope you're right. I guess what I'm trying to say is everything about this guy is anti-Mitch Levy. Okay. Because I am the biggest believer that you will ever find in this world of keeping the bar low intentionally keeping the expectations yeah. low because it gives you a shot. That's right. Okay. <laughs> All of this makes me terribly uncomfortable. It's too much. Yeah, He's perfect. He's a 10. He's Bo Derrick. <laughs> he's, he's a 10 on the field. He's a 10 off the field. Yeah. We've never seen anything like this guy. He's the best hire of the offseason. He's a can't miss. What happens to oh, can't misses? That's ah, right.
1: They often miss. They yes. miss. Tony Mandrich was a can't miss at the combine
0: back this in the is, day. This is everything that my religion is against. <laughs> so, I mean, he's got to go 14 and three next year to be successful. Right. It's exciting, though. It's exciting. Why can't they just hire a guy that some people are trashing? I need that. Yeah. Some people are saying, I don't know. Yeah, we had that with Pete Carroll. I mean, most people were against it. Yeah, right, right, right. So then then the guy can go eight and nine the first year, and he's all right. Yeah, right. Why can't we have some people like on ESPN on one of those cockamamie shows, like Pardon the Interruption or whatever those shows are, yelling and screaming, oh, I hate that hire. I need a little I hate that hire. I'm with you. It does sound too too good to be true. It's too good to
1: be true. It can't work. Right. How much can he do in one training camp i mean are we looking at a playoff team or or are we gonna well, need some time here I,
0: I can't speak to who they are gonna lose during the off season right and who they draft in the But they they had to step all over their you know what's to not make the playoffs last year didn't they yeah with two games to go all they had to do is like win one of them <laughs> or th- three games to go they lost the game to pittsburgh they were right on the yeah it's not like he's taking over a two and 15 team that's true right yeah i guess so, so. could they be a playoff team right away Apparently everything this guy touches turns to gold. love it. And when you start telling me, as you pointed out, Baltimore gets the most pressure on quarterbacks <laughs> oh, in the NFL without yeah.
1: having to blitz. right. I don't need Jamal Adams coming on a blitz. this to get guy a sack. rushes one
0: guy and drops 10. <laughs> God, I am telling you that I sat down at the computer and I challenged myself on Friday, afternoon before i went to see the university of washington symphony no you didn't yes i did really yeah now why would i go see the university of washington symphony there's got to be an
1: explanation something to do with max yeah yeah what would it he's in it no he doesn't play an instrument no keep going his girlfriend is in it (laughs) wow there'd i get look at you supporting the girlfriend i love it oh
0: god nice job don't fall asleep (laughs) we're sitting next to her parents oh no How'd you do? I did fine. I sat here at this very computer on, on Friday, so I challenged myself. I am going to find... It's the internet for fuck's sake. Yeah. You can find anything on the That's internet, right. can't
1: you? Somebody could cure cancer and someone say, you're a dick for not he's doing a, it sooner. He's a dipshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the internet. There's always something negative. I couldn't do it. Really?
0: I typed in <laughs> Mike McDonald God. bad hire. Yeah. I typed in Mike McDonald bad guy you know mm. overrated i tried every freaking word i just wanted to find so i could bring to the show some negativity yeah you know i like to do that i like to share with you what people are saying about things and it's not interesting unless you get people that are saying one thing and people that are saying the opposite thing see who's right i can't find hmm. one bad word
1: about this guy he is superhuman So who all was going after him? Like Commanders obviously wanted him, I assume. Well,
0: I guess the way it went down was you really couldn't go after him after him until he was out of the playoffs. Right. And so a lot of the teams went ahead and hired people before he got to the point where he was out of the playoffs because a lot of people expected that he would win one more game against the Chiefs, and then we'd have another two weeks where he'd be in the Super Bowl. So as I understand it, a lot of teams didn't want to wait, but he was – the best candidate by a mile. Which, which, which that's why I'm asking. And which, then at the end, you had Washington and Seattle this past week yeah. bidding on him.
1: But if he's so great, wouldn't a team, wouldn't it be worth it to wait till after the Super Bowl? Y- You'd think. That's my only thing I can come up with. Good. He's he sucks. great.
0: He's overrated. He <laughs>
1: sucks. <laughs> Nobody wants him. He's a hack. Get him out of here. We're
0: all waiting to see. And, you know, by the time this comes out, this is the, the dangers of doing a podcast. But by the time this comes out... They already might have an offensive coordinator, but it's looking a lot like your guy, too. I know.
1: That's crazy, yeah.
0: (sighs) A first-year head coach... Yep. ...with an offensive coordinator named Ryan Grubb, potentially, that's never coached one day in the National Football League. Yeah. You talk about Stevie Wonder showing (laughs) Ray Charles where the bathroom (laughs) is. No kidding, man. (laughs) But, look, people who
1: wanted this to be blown up, you know, let's... Thank you, Pete Carroll... We got to start new. Well, here you go, right? I mean, this is about as new and as blown up as you can get if that happens. Did
0: Stevie Wonder catch the microphone at We Are The World or was that someplace else? Remember he's the?
1: I, you, you've said this before. You're not so sure he's blind.
0: Well, that, that I've always, going with this? I, well, I've always had a...
1: It's a great gimmick if it's true. It's a hell of a gimmick because <laughs> everyone thinks he's blind.
0: Well, haven't you seen the video of him standing, singing, and somebody walks by him and knocks the microphone and it's about to fall and he catches it?
1: Yeah. Haven't you seen that video? Yes, but he he is magic. He is Stevie Wonder. So maybe he's got. I've always thought. He's got powers yeah. that we
0: don't have. I don't know. Are you in on Ryan Grubb? Or are you? Of course. What, really? Yes. You, it's awesome. Let's go. Bring in the new guy. I think the reason why we're all in on Ryan Grubb is the, uh, let's. Steal him right away from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Let him not coach one day for Kalen DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer loses his offensive coordinator before he starts. Well, we sit here. national football
1: league. Bitch about Waldron not being creative or innovative, but did you like Ryan Grubb's offense? I mean, did you like his schemes? Yeah, but I
0: don't – I'm a little – you know what I thought of Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer as offensive play callers and and schemers because I said over and over on this show, people have even told – people have even – uh, tweeted at me when when Ryan Grubb became a candidate for the Seahawks. Ryan Grubb it says wide receivers are always wide open. Always, yeah, and they were, but it's college. Yep, it's a little different. It's not the NFL. I'm a little I'm a little concerned with that. I I I've, I'm on record who I think that they should hire for offensive coordinator. I think it's very interesting. First of all, and Brady Henderson actually informed me of this. I never knew this. Have you seen where the New York Giants offensive coordinator, who he who, who Schneider interviewed for the head coaching job and didn't give it to him, was blocked by the Giants from interviewing with the Seahawks for their offensive coordinator job. I didn't know that rule existed. Yeah, me either. That you can't take what they call a lateral job. There is one caveat, exception to that rule, okay. which is where I, I fall on who I'd like to see offensive coordinator. If you're an offensive coordinator in the NFL... But you don't call the plays. There's a handful of offensive coordinators who don't call the plays because the head coach calls them. Kyle Shanahan calls the plays. Andy Reid calls the plays. Mike McDaniel calls the plays, right? A lot of head coaches call the plays. Well, if you're the offensive coordinator of that team and you don't call the plays, the NFL has put in a rule that says, and you're being offered a job at another NFL team to call the plays. Wow. Now that's not lateral and they can't block you. I just assumed everything under the head coach was lateral. So if you're a special teams coach and you get offered the defensive coordinator. There's some speculation behind the scenes that the Seahawks are challenging this or Mike Kafka from the Giants is challenging this because there's some question of whether he really calls the plays anymore because the head coach kind of took it away from him. Right. So he's saying I should be able to go to Seattle. So that's not going to be weird if he comes back (laughs) to the Giants. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. I don't know how much you sat down and watched the Dolphins play. And of course they they took a powder when it when it counted most, but they do a lot of interesting, innovative Mike McDaniel, lots of motion. Now they have the fastest guys out there, Tyreek Hill and yeah. whatever, but they run offense like 2024. 20, they're they're the new age offense. Well, Mike McDaniel runs that offense and call it to plays. His offensive coordinator is a guy by the name of Frank Smith, who John Schneider interviewed for the head coaching job Mm. of the Seahawks before he hired Mike McDonald. I'm thinking, that's a great one. Bring the guy who knows Mike McDaniel's offense here. Give him the play calling. Yep. Let's fill the roster with fast guys and see if we might be able to replicate what they do in Miami. I'm all in on any offensive coordinator that wants to
1: come in and be innovative and try to play 2024 football. I'm in. I'll take any of those guys.
0: Here's why... We don't even need to discuss it because Mike McDonald is perfect at whoever he chooses.
3: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah.
0: It can't go wrong. Yeah. It won't go wrong. It's not too good to be true. It's true. He's going to somehow get Penix to come too. Is that what? he's Probably. so good
1: and grub yeah. and they'll yeah. be reunited yeah. and they'll get a Dunze and they'll just. Yeah.
0: And he's so respected around the league. This Mike McDonald, I've been told. That if he asks other head coaches around the league to not draft a guy above them just to let him go, they'll do it for him. He's turning into the Chuck
1: (laughs) Norris, all the Chuck Norris stuff, right? (laughs) He's that perfect. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, he he was seen walking on Lake Washington. I don't know if you saw that report on on the news. Right across. It's amazing, yeah.
0: And if you think I said a lot of good things about Mike McDonald, wait till you hear in the next segment Jason (laughs) Lockenfora. who's literally watched every day of Mike McDonald the last two years in Baltimore, what do you hear what and Fora has to say about the Seattle Seahawks' new head coach? She's back. Katie Versio, director of financial planning, Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. I understand there's a special anniversary or birthday over there in Bellevue.
4: Yes. uh, Evergreen is celebrating our 40th anniversary this year.
0: Nice. Very, very nice. So that means the new Make Mitch Look Foolish quiz is a 40th anniversary special this week.
4: That's right. Okay, I'm ready. Go ahead. So it's been an interesting year in the market overall the S and P 500 is up about 11% for the year. Last time when we spoke in July, it was up about 19%. So okay. there's been some volatility over that time, okay. but I'm gonna see how much you've been paying attention. Okay. First question, what is the return on value stocks for 2023? So value stocks are blue chip companies that traded at attractive valuations often pay dividends, things like financials, Costco, companies like that. Value stocks, are they up 7%, 2% or down?
0: I would think that they're up because overall the market is up, but I'll just say 2%. How about that?
4: fortunately they're down 1%. Oh, really? It's quite the diversion where what we're going to look at in question number 2 yeah. we're going to turn to our focus on what's the return on growth stocks. Right, right. These are companies like Tesla, Meta, Google, some of the big tech giants. Mm-hmm. So are those stocks up 31%, 24% or 5%? So
0: if the value stocks are down too, these have to be up big 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 for the numbers to make sense. So it's either 24, 31 I'll say the 31%.
4: So they're actually up 24%. vote for two. (laughs) So you can see there's a big diversion between these different areas of the market. And really there's only a handful of stocks that are driving the market return this year. So while overall the market's up, it doesn't tell the full story. Which
0: means I'm on the precipice of going 0 for 3. Let me see if I can salvage one for us, Katie. Go ahead.
4: All right, I'll give you an easy one. It's a true or false. Okay. So true or false, the return on the bond market is negative for the year.
0: Well, has to be true if the if the stock well it doesn't have to be but most likely that's true if the stock market is thriving right
4: that's true the bond market is down over three percent this year
0: so i go one for three and in baseball 333 makes me an all-star hitter i'm going to stick to that we love evergreen golf call a terrific partner start your search and learn all about them at evergreengk.com because they're everything wealth Unfiltered.
1: I understand where where this organization wants to go, and I feel like we're aligned on how we want to get there. And I'm just juiced to go do it. And there's no there's going to be no secrets, secret thing of you know scheme or secret plays that are going to get us there faster. It's going to take a lot of hard work.
0: As we all eagerly anticipate a new era in Seattle Seahawks football, not many people have watched the Mike McDonald years in Baltimore as closely as our next guest, my buddy, Jason
5: Fora.
6: how are you, Jace? I'm doing very well. I hope everything's going good in the Pacific Northwest. I'm very excited to see uh, McDonald and Schneider make beautiful music together. This should be fun.
0: More importantly, I need a report on Rocco's basketball game
6: today. <laughs> they're good. Yeah, as long as they play the minnows, they're good. It's tough. Baltimore Catholic League basketball is no joke. No. You know, new coach first year, they're hanging in there. Okay.
0: Before we get to McDonald, are we just accepting the Ben Johnson explanation which is he wanted too much money or is there something underneath all of this? Is he waiting for Andy Reid to retire next week after the Super Bowl and be the Chiefs nah. coach or what what's going on there?
6: No, I look, I don't I don't think this guy has anything else and I think he's going to have a lot of explaining to do moving forward because of the way this stuff is played out. Now, he, he's not beholden to any of these jobs. He doesn't have to take them. But there's also a better way to indicate your lack of interest in the way for people to be on a plane to see you, something that was planned well in advance, and then decide you've got cold feet or you don't really want the job. You know, and then communicating electronically your, your lack of desire in the job he needs to pull himself together there with his agent, Richmond flowers and get their head out of their asses. And there's ways to handle this stuff with a bit of a bedside manner that, that doesn't create the kind of situation he's in right now, which is, you know, he said, he said, and it's just a lot of drama for a dude who's never coached a day in his life as a head coach really anywhere. I think highly of his work, but uh, this is a suspect handling of his interest. And it was weird before the process even started with some of the reports. And I had heard, the same thing, I didn't hear from a credible enough source to go with it, and I don't know about you know the $15 million. I don't know how hard and fast that was, but again, there were already odd stories coming out about Ben Johnson before this process finished, and there's odd stories continuing to come out about Ben Johnson well after now, right? Oh, basically oh, wow. a week after he'd pulled out of contention, so there'll be a lot of pointed questions asked of him in the future. I'm sure he will get other opportunities to talk to people, but... I'm not so sure that somebody else won't be the one slamming the door in his face next time.
0: Did John Schneider know, or did he find out once he got there on that Monday to Detroit,
6: what happened? Do you know? I don't know exactly when Seattle found out, but to their credit, they had, you know, done a credible search. And I I think that it was pretty easy to identify of this entire group of candidates going back to before the process began. Whose body of work as a coordinator, as a first, you know, potential first time head coach, current coordinator, who from that bin had most distinguished themselves by their craft? And it was Mike McDonald on defense and, and Ben Johnson on offense. So if Mike McDonald had not gotten a job here, With what he did, that would have been way more shocking to me than Bill Belichick not getting a job, which I've been writing about in the Washington Post since October. Really? Yeah, that would have been a surprise. Wow. Um, Okay, Vrabel not getting a job, that, okay, that's a little bit of a surprise. And he's got a relationship with Schneider, and that could have gone that way, but it, it didn't. And I applaud them for landing someone who I think, could be the true Sean McVay of defense. It obviously wasn't Brandon Staley. It's never going to be Sean Desai. I mean, you've heard people in the media carrying water for these guys to ridiculous extents to try to prop up this guy or that guy. You didn't get a lot of that with McDonald. You just had to watch the games, you know? You just had to watch the film. You just had to go through the, the numbers after these games and after the film. He's been nothing short of tremendous. I
0: haven't heard a bad word about him.
6: You won't. You won't. He's really different than a lot of these, again, a lot of guys his age. Most of these guys are so desperate for a job or their representation is so desperate for them to get a job that just the way they shake their ass and the way they shuck and jive and how much time they spend trying to work the media or propagating myths in the media, or there's just so much drama and bullshit with most of them. And that's just not this guy at all. He's the least politicking Least, look at me, dude, you're going to find things, find him. Because if you're paying attention, you're going to find him. And I think he understands that the way he goes about his business works for his teams. It works for him. And, and, you know, if that invariably attracts other people to you, then so be it. But the way he coached through this whole process, again, go back to the playoffs and look how many guys pissed down their own leg when, They knew everybody was watching him, and they had more interviews to come. I mean, look how many of them changed their style or got too cute or tried to show you how smart they were. This guy just continued to go about systematically destroying the best offensive minds in football.
0: How'd he do it? How is his philosophy different? What makes his defense different?
6: There was a big problem around here stopping the Cincinnati Bengals, and it got Wink Martindale fired. Just go look at Joe Burrow's numbers before this defensive coordinator change was made here versus the Ravens and since like job number one was okay. We can't seem to stop the Bengals from generating big play after big play. And some of it was curbing down and tamping down on how much they blitzed and how they blitzed, But really it was getting a whole defense to change his spots. I mean, the, the, the culture here, was bringing 6, 7 and 8 and you know we'll zone it up a little bit when we have to but that that went from being an appetizer to the main thing and and not just zoning it up or not just being a cover 3 team but like literally we can win in quarters we can win in cover 2 we can win in cover 3 we can win in cover 6 depending on the situation depending on the opponent he's a shapeshifter and again if you study who they faced here, they come out of a bye, and McVay got him a little bit. McVay's the only guy who ever got him. Uh, but I talked to McVay the, two days after that game, and he's like, you know, our numbers look great, but he's like, that, that guy's as good as any defensive coordinator I faced." You know, he's like studying them on film all week. Like, he was talking to me about other people on that staff, because in his mind, he's like, I'm losing Raheem Morris, you know what I mean? And, like, McDonald's going to get a job, but are there other people on that staff who you like? Like, so that's where he was whatever that was week 13, but he faced a gauntlet. I mean, he faced that whole family tree where they all talk to each other and they all compare notes and he went through them all. He faced Zach Taylor's brother press in there with Jacksonville. He faced McVeigh, and he had faced, you know, Zach Taylor already a couple more times this year. And then he comes out of a buy and he faces McVay. He completely emasculated Cal Shanahan and Brock Purdy on national TV, punched them in the face, stole their lunch money, sent them home to mama. Um, and I can tell you, they wanted no part of this cat in the Super Bowl. Like, I- I'll take that to my grave. Like, and I'm no homer, but those two wanted no part of this defense. And Mike McDonald, a second time with their season on the line. And then, you know, he faced Miami, which is, you know, San Francisco, South East. And McDaniel and the same principles and he couldn't get anything going against him. And then he shuts down D'Amico Ryan's and Slowick. Right. There you go. Like I'm bringing it back to your division for you again. Right. That's San Francisco Southwest. And then Andy Reid's final nine drives against them. He averages 3.4 yards per play. You know, his final nine drives is six punts uh, turnover on downs, a field goal that was gifted to them on penalties and a kneel down to end the game. Uh, Again, 3.4 3.4 yards per play the final nine drives. 10 first downs total the final nine drives. He has a great feel for when to bring pressure and when not, how to disguise it, and he also develops players, which I, I think is, is probably more important than anything schematically. And you look at the way, you know, what a Patrick Queen was before he got here and after. What a Justin BK was before he got here and after. The way Kyle Hamilton made a jump, year two to year one. You know, Brandon Stevens went from is he a corner, is he a safety, is he a slot corner, to being one of the best boundary corners in the AFC in in this scheme. What he did with guys off the scrap heap, Arthur Millette, Cal Van Noy, Jadavion Clowney, like nobody really wanted these cats. They were all available way late in the game. And they all Ronald Darby, they they came here and all had career years the way he puts a staff together, the eye he has for talent. Uh, and then, like, look, I, I was telling Harbaugh you should hire Leslie Frazier here for Zach Orr, you know, who's now replacing McDonald as their D.C. And I think the Ravens were considering it. And you guys got him. The guy is mature beyond his years. He's not an ego guy. He's not a me guy. He might be the, the true McVeigh of defense. He might really be that guy. I know you've been sold, Brandon Staley. You've been sold a whole bunch of people. This guy actually might be it. And I can tell you McVay's not happy he's in his division. And I can tell you Kyle Shanahan's not happy he's in his division.
0: (laughs) Some talk about the Ravens' free agents, some of the guys you just mentioned, by the way, that McDonald Mm -hmm. might attempt to bring with him. But this ain't college transfer portal stuff. The Hawks are over the cap, so I don't know how they're going to get their hands on these guys. But yeah, there could be some former Ravens lining up for the Seahawks next year.
6: Well, I mean, I think Patrick Queen would be really the guy. McDonald coached linebackers here for a while. He forged relationships with a lot of those guys, And and I think the Ravens have always prized coordinators with linebacker background. Cause you have to, you have to see everything, right? You have to see the game through the eyes of the safety and you have to see the game through the eyes of the defensive tackles. You're the connective tissue in that spine. So now look, they love Jordan Brooks here. You know, that was a toss up that whole year. Like they were going to take Kenneth Murray, Jordan Brooks, or Patrick queen. They were taking one of those linebackers and nobody knew which one because of where they were picking. So I don't know what the relationships are like there between him and the, you know what I mean, the front office or whatever, or if there's any bad blood or whatever. but I mean, it's a very similar skill set. So he obviously doesn't know the scheme the way Patrick Queen does. And the interesting thing would be, you know, Patrick Queen took off here once they got Roquan Smith, and Roquan Smith was Batman, and Patrick Queen was Robin. Patrick Queen was never the guy who wore the dot here and was that prototypical inside linebacker. I think he's at a point in his evolution where he could do it. But, you know, outside of that, you know, I don't know, like, I think the clowny ship has sailed, you know, I mean, Van Noy. I don't think anybody's ever going to get a year out of that, uh, like that again. But yes, there's something to be said for having guys in there who've been in your locker room and, and been in your system. And like, we were joking with, we have McDonald on the radio Friday after the presser there, you know, and we were joking that like, Hey, you know, you can't take Patrick Queen, you know, like yeah, we don't think he's signing here either, but you can't go poaching guys and, He's kind of like, hey, well, we'll see about that. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll we'll see. But that would be the one I think who really. I'm guessing if you gave him uh, a list of priorities, like if you could bring, you know, of of all the guys who're going to be leaving there and all, likelihood. like Justin of BKs, like I, if they don't franchise tag Justin of BK, we'll kill him on the radio for four <laughs> hours the next four hours a day the next nine months. Like yeah. if they don't tag him, they thought they hated us. Now they ain't seen nothing yet. So I don't think he's truly, like, I don't even look at him as really a free agent. But Patrick Queen would would make a lot of sense. He really would. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be looking for linebackers.
0: No question. Everybody here is going to explode with the Ryan Grubb reports. You can imagine. University of Washington offensive coordinator goes with DeBorda. Alabama might be coming back to be the Seahawks offensive coordinator for Mike McDonald. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But then you'd have even with Leslie Frazier, you'd have a new young head coach and a new young offensive coordinator that has no NFL experience. Is that a problem?
6: I mean, it could be. I don't know what his overarching offensive philosophies will be and sort of where he is or, you know, what he did or didn't espouse on the offensive side of the ball through the hiring process. Like, we had so much stuff going on here. Like, I wasn't even really thinking in those terms. Yeah. I mean, ideally you'd you'd have a mix of young and old and and it's, it's the staff in its totality, not just a couple of hires. And, and, you know, look, there's also other people he might know from college as well, the year he spent in Michigan and then just his ties to that program and other people that he may have met through Jim Harbaugh during his time in Michigan. There might be other guys in college who he's looking at also. And then there's the whole quarterback thing. I think you guys could win, like, like, especially in that conference. Like, I, I think you could win enough games to go to the playoffs next year. I, I just don't know where McDonald is about the ability to win a Super Bowl with Geno. You'd have a hard time convincing me that he would not in a perfect world want an uber-athletic quarterback who can, you know, who can extend off-script plays with his legs, who could do things physically that probably Geno can't. Super
0: Bowl matchup. You're big into the betting scene these days. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? I got to make my annual
6: wagers. Well, it's, you can get two and a half again, so I would jump on that. I also I like the Chiefs on the money line, but you know, you, you should also be if you like them on the money line, then cover your backside a little bit with the two and a half. I like the Chiefs to go over their team total of twenty three and a half. Uh, You're all about the Chiefs. I like Purdy to throw a pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like the Chiefs. I Look, they have the better coach. They have the better defensive coordinator. They have the better quarterback. They have the better kicker. They have, to me, the better defense in its totality. They have superior experience in actually winning this game, not just getting to it. And they played better football in the playoffs. So if San Francisco can't check one box for me there and they're giving, you know, two and a half. Oh yeah. And the chiefs know that stadium better, right? They've done nothing but win in that stadium.
0: Yeah.
6: And Patrick Mahomes, when he plays indoors, the numbers are completely off the charts and he's 14 and three in the playoffs and he's 12 and five against the spread in the playoffs. And he has the highest passer rating in NFL history in the playoffs. What he has over 1500 yards postseason just throwing to Kelsey alone. I mean, he's already in the top five in all-time playoff touchdowns. And this is the best defense he's had in the playoffs yet and probably the best run game. And I do believe they will run the ball. I I think both these teams are going to run it on the other. McCaffrey will go over his yardage prop. Pacheco will go over carries. He'll go over yardage. Two bets. But I I like the Chiefs. Two bets.
0: Give me two bets to make it. I'm going to make them. I'm going to the casino to make them. Two bets. Just take,
6: take the Chiefs on the money line for plus money. And if you can get, they're still giving you plus 100 on a Kelsey touchdown, take that.
0: It sounds like if I can't get that, then maybe the running backs going over their totals.
6: I like the running backs over their totals. I like Kyle Yuschek over uh, one and a half receiving yards. I like Noah Gray over one and a half receptions. Wow. wow. I like Debo Samuel over 13 and a half rushing yards. And Purdy to fill a pick. I like that too.
0: I'm on my way to the casino now. Thank you, G- <laughs> thank you, enjoy, <laughs> brother. Enjoy Mike McDonald. You guys are gonna love him. I love it. I I'm ready to run through a wall for him after listening to you for the last 25 minutes. That's for sure. Yeah.
6: No, seriously. Just look at what the Bengals did to these guys before he got here and after. It'll blow your mind. Love you, Jason. My best to you your got family. It,
0: brother. Best to your family. Same, thank same to you. yours. Okay. Thanks, bud. Hey, it's time to welcome back Lindsay Schwartz to Mitch Unfiltered, Daniel's Broiler Special Occasions. Lindsay, welcome back. How's the start of the year over at Daniel's? And tell me about the reaction of the Leschi remodel.
7: Hey, Mitch. Yeah, things are great. Happy New Year to everybody. The Daniels remodel at Shy came out awesome. People love it. I love it. Our guests love it. We're really happy with it. Go check it out if you haven't. Holidays were fantastic. January, of course, is a little bit slower. Now it's time to roll into February and, of course, Valentine's Day, which is uh, one of the greatest,
0: greatest weeks of the year for us. No better place, none, than Daniels broiler for Valentine's Day. Now, Lindsay, Valentine's Day falls midweek. On a Wednesday, is that good, bad, or don't you care over at Daniel's Broiler? Oh,
7: Mitch, it's the best. Let me tell you something (laughs) about the restaurant business. We love Valentine's Day on a Wednesday because it's right smack in the middle of the week. And this way, people can go on the weekend either before or after. And I'll tell you, for me personally, (laughs) this is the best because around Valentine's Day, a couple days before... My phone starts blowing up every year. First thing in the morning, it goes all day, it goes late at night, it's my friends, it's anybody I've ever met, it's anybody that somehow found my cell phone number, and they're like, hey, I hate to do this, but is there any way you can get me into Daniel's for Valentine's Day? I waited too long, and now I look like a jerk, could you just fit me in? And uh, I try. I mean, I try with everybody, but the thing that I love, and here's what I'll start telling people is, you know what, I can't get you in right on, on Valentine's Day, but I can do even better i can get you in on the weekend get you in on the weekend you can look like a hero you can say i plan this i want us to have a great romantic weekend you can get a hotel room at the hyatt in bellevue or the hyatt in seattle there's all kinds of options so i love it and i'm going to be encouraging people to do the weekend and when it's on a wednesday that means you can do the weekend before or the weekend after nice everyone's
0: a winner everyone well kind of what if we insist on going on Wednesday, Valentine's Day. Any shot or no? I'll tell you what.
7: If you haven't made your reservation <laughs> by now, you're not going to get one. Unless your name is Mitch Levy, uh, maybe.
0: So should I give everybody your cell phone number on Mitch on filter to yeah. call
7: you? Yeah, please do. Let me say it right now and then post it on uh, Twitter
0: uh, and on your website. Daniel's Broiler for Valentine's Day. Great locations. Try any one of them. There's not a better place to celebrate special occasions than Daniels Broiler world class steakhouses. Hey, Zeke's Pizza President Dan Black is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered watching the insanity of his favorite college football program. You have any eligibility left, Dan? They need players. Can you can you play both ways? What position?
2: Yeah, Jed Fish hit me up the other day when we <laughs> delivered some pizza. So uh I might you know I might be on the depth chart for quarterback next uh. year for the Huskies, but Hey, bitch, I got a question for you. Yes. So I know this guy, He's he used to be a sports radio guy. Now he does a podcast. <laughs> he's a great interviewer because he shows genuine curiosity. And <laughs> I thought about you a lot. If you and I were standing in the sports book in Mandalay Bay, would you have put a bet on the Huskies in the Pac-12 championship or the Sugar Bowl?
0: I would have bet them in the Pac-12 championship for sure. Yeah. I would have bet them in the Sugar Bowl for sure. And then I would have bet him in the national championship game. (laughs) For sure. That's what I thought.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Curiosity cured.
0: (laughs) You got it. The pigskin 10 promotion has been a hit. We used it here during the national semifinal game in the sugar bowl tell everybody about it are we keeping it rolling through the nfl season and the playoffs in the super bowl
2: yeah no pigskin 10 like we've talked about super popular it's rolling through the super bowl active on what we call football days which is thursday saturday sunday monday mm-hmm. and it's ten dollars off any order of forty dollars or more so thirty dollars after the discount easiest way is on the app or online you just enter the code and like I say, the idea is that if you're ordering pizza while you're watching football, it's a no-brainer.
0: The Kraken have gotten hot all of a sudden. Dan, how about Kraken Happy Hours down near the uh, the building? Yeah, no, our Belltown location, as you know, is
2: kind of Kraken Central. We got a great bar there. We run great happy hour specials and stuff. And I know you're Mr. I-don't-drink-beer, but trust me, <laughs> five or six bucks for a pint is good. We got cheap slices. Nice. Uh, it's active and fun in there. We got all the crack and pregame and hockey on and stuff. So that's a that's a great spot.
0: I love how Zeke's Pizza has connected with sports, especially sports locally. We love Zeke's Pizza, a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered Polanco Ooh. lifts one deep to right field and he just changed the complexion of this game with one very important swing to the upper deck in Houston. It's hard to believe, but Major League Baseball's spring facilities are about to heat up. I can't believe it. (laughs) Won't be long now until the world sees Shohei Otani in Dodger blue, Juan Soto in Yankee pinstripes, and Jorge Polanco in Mariners teal. Which of these don't belong? Ladies and gentlemen, there's only one man who can make the case that the impact of those three items are the same. Polanco (laughs) in Seattle. And that's my friend, my old friend, jason stark hall of famer and the athletic how are you jason mitch i'm awesome man how's everything with you everything is good i almost feel like i'm supposed to ask you a trivia question to start so i'll ask you (laughs) i'll ask you a really easy one i want you to list all the major league players in the history of the sport every one of them that have had 60 homers or more, 60 doubles or more, and 60 stolen bases or more in their first two Major League seasons. I want to know from you. I want you to spend the rest of our time together listing every single one of those guys.
8: Yeah, I mean, Julio is the answer to that question. He's pretty good, man. He is pretty good. Like, we've reached the stage now, if you were drafting him or Mike Trout, you would take Julio.
0: It's been a maddening offseason, as you know, for Mariners fans. Year after year after year, Jason, we're told by Jerry and ownership, be patient. They'll be active in free agent spending and payroll increasing when we're close. When we get to the point that we're close, then you're going to see us be very, very active. And now the team is close and on the precipice, and we get an offseason of cable TV drama and essentially giving Jared Koenig away to a team that would take other contracts and nothing but injury-plagued, cheaper acquisitions. Say something that will make us Mariners fans feel better, (laughs) Jason. If the season started this
8: afternoon, which is unlikely, (laughs) I I could see the Mariners winning the AL West. I think it's a coin flip. Who's better than Astros? Rangers, I, I really do. Like, we can talk about the all the cable TV stuff. It's hung over the offseason in many ways, not just in Seattle. But here, I guess here would be my question. Who in the American League West has gotten better? Right? Have the Astros gotten better? They added Josh Hader. They also lost three guys in their pen who were really important. The Rangers, I know they won the World Series. Uh, they have no money. A much worse level of tv uncertainty they've got massive health issues massive jordan montgomery's been waiting around all winter to go back there they keep telling them they don't have the money so given all
0: that who is definitively better than the mariners tell me well i would say to that that the rangers and astros start the race ahead of the mariners they were better last year. They were more talented. They had a better roster last year. So if nobody gets better, this is this is a very amateurish answer, as I've been giving you for about 20 <laughs> years, but it's the best I can do. It feels like those teams start ahead and remain ahead.
8: Yeah, although weren't the Mariners in first place with a week to go <laughs> in
0: this season? Yes, so yes,
8: they're pretty yes. close even then. Let's break down the Mariners, okay? Rotation. How many teams in this sport have a better rotation? League? It's a really short list. Okay. You wouldn't need all five figures on this hand. Okay. Uh bullpen. I mean, I think they'll miss Justin Topa, but still potentially dominating bullpen, wouldn't you think?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
8: Um, okay. So they've got the run prevention part of it covered. And then the lineup, it's it's really hard to know exactly what they're going to be. Um, it's going to be very different. They were obviously trying to field a team that did not feature six guys who struck out 150 times. So I, I think they've accomplished that. They still have a couple. I'm a fan of Mitch Garver. I'm a fan of Polanco. You are. When they're healthy, both of them have been really productive. Look at every full season in the last five years. When they've been healthy, they've been way better than league average Offensive players. Way better. But there is that when they were healthy part, okay? So you don't know how healthy Garver, Polanco, Hanager, the artist known as Mitch Hanager will be, and that's going to go a long way to determining what they are offensively. We're in an age now where strikeouts are insane, okay? So the more contact your lineup makes – the better off you theoretically should be. But th- these guys have to get out there, no doubt.
0: See, I, I, I've i got to ask you about that because you're now expressing the way it was when you and I were kids. And and judging by the looks of you on Zoom, I was a kid a lot longer ago than you. I, I <laughs> thought it was the other way around. What? <laughs> it used to be the other way around. But... A couple years ago, everybody started telling me, "Mitch, the game has changed. Strikeouts are fine. We just want guys to hit the ball out of the ballpark. We don't care about singles and doubles. We don't care about contact anymore." And so, it took me a few years to get used to that. And now they're telling me <laughs> the, the the Mariners struck out too many times last year. So I, now I'm I don't know whether I'm coming or going. What,
8: <laughs> well, uh, what are the odds the Mariners are top ten? in baseball and home runs. Zero? Yeah. Probably zero, right? Yeah, y- You have to tailor the construction of every roster to the ballpark environment. And in that park, in that division, like I don't think it makes sense for them to build a lineup around guys who strike out a lot and might hit the ball out of the park. We've transitioned to a world where the rules are different. So in, a, in an era where there's so much information and... There's so much technology helping pitchers design pitches that have literally never existed in the history of baseball. You know, they have, they have shapes and breaks that hitters standing at home plate have never seen in their lives. And so contact matters more than ever because there's so little of it. Okay, like, I don't know how it's going to work. I, mean, I can't tell you, but I understand the theory behind it. The other part that hangs over it is like I would have thought in a world where they had certainty with their TV money, they could have been big players on Otani. You know, he would have been interested. But <laughs> that's another big if.
0: So are you saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you saying that Jerry set the team back a little bit by going after guys like Suarez and Teoscar Hernandez and their swing and miss and there maybe they'll hit the ball out of the ballpark the last few years?
8: Well, they made the playoffs with those guys. They did one year. Right. They missed by was it a game last year? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, a setback is you went from instead of winning ninety okay. five games, you won seventy five. Okay. So, I, okay. I don't think setback's the right word. I just think they're trying something else, and they had they had budgetary limitations. I'm not I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Uh, it was a terrible free agent market. Really mediocre. And massive TV money uncertainty that I think I think still remains at this moment. So like what were their options? Mm. They couldn't go out and sign a bunch of guys. So they're trying it this way. I don't know how it's gonna work, but I do think they've got a chance to be really good because they'll be one of the best pitching, pitching staff sure, in the sport.
0: Sure. Give me a thought on Urias a third, Rayleigh in the outfield. You like either of those guys? Uh, I'm not sure how third base is going to break down now.
8: Uh, like, I'm going to assume that Polanco winds up at second, although yes. he could theoretically play third. Yeah. And then, so I, I think there's a little mixing and matching at third with Urias and Josh Rojas, I think primarily. Like, again, I don't know exactly what Urias is right now. A couple of years ago, he, he hit a ton of home runs, right? And yeah. so theoretically, you know, it's in there. I think Josh Rojas is a really talented and useful player with a high baseball IQ guy. I love talking to. And um, I think they can make that work. Luke Rayleigh is an interesting guy that we just talked about how they're trying to get away from guys to strike out. He, he's going to swing a mess. He will, but he does offer the potential for thump and athleticism. I, I understand what they're doing. he, He's not a star. He's a useful player who won't be asked to bat top of the order, middle of the order. There's, there's a scenario where he fits well, and these all these pieces fit. That's, I think that's the operative term.
0: I think Mariners fans would be interested to know your and the baseball world's opinion about this question. Do you think that the Mariners and Jerry Depoto are slowly walking down a path that ultimately ends in the trade of either Logan Gilbert or George Kirby. When you close your eyes and you think of the Mariners in five years, do you see both of those guys pitching for the Mariners. And if you don't, I think you got Gilbert through 27 and Kirby through 28. Of course, Castillo's making a lot of money. If you don't see them on the Mariners long term, both of them, when's the best time? Is there a best time? Two years left of club control. Three years left of club control. What do you think?
8: You know, I think going into the winter, I thought you probably thought there were definitely teams out there that thought this is a winter where the Mariners, I don't know if will trade, could trade, one of those guys. For the reasons you just said, and because controllable starting pitching is always in demand and if, if you're looking to shop on the trade market, that's the best commodity to shop with. But didn't they very deliberately not do that? Yes. I, you know, it's they they traded Robbie Ray instead. You know, they got Anthony D. Sclafani traded him, too. <laughs> so I think it's pretty clear. For now that they want to build around those guys for at least the next several years, five years is really hard to project, especially around starting pitchers, because how many of them get hurt, Bitch, The answer is all of them. It's really hard to forecast. They'll both be there along with uh, Castillo
0: in five years, really hard. Speaking of starting pitching. If you were with me in Seattle right now, the young Jason Stark, was with Mitch Levy in Seattle right now, and we went out to get a cup of coffee, or maybe we went to a Washington Huskies basketball or football game, there's like a 50% chance we'd run into Blake Snell. He's out and about. Blake Snell is all over Seattle. What is the deal with him? I'm not following it day-to-day. Two Cy Youngs, still relatively young. I know he doesn't pitch deep into games. I know he walks a lot of guys. Has he just flatly... Priced himself out of the market? What's taking so long? Who's his agent, Mitch? I guess Scott Boros. Is it Scott Boros? Scott Boros is the correct answer. Okay.
8: So last time I looked, I believe Scott had 14 free agents still outside. Still? God. Okay, we're in we're into February. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And last I heard, Blake Snell was looking for eight years two hundred and forty million. And I don't know if you know Joe Sheehan, but uh, Joe Sheehan's a thoughtful baseball writer who has a rule of thumb: uh, never award more years on the contract than the player has had good years in his career. Okay, so Blake Snell's had two great Cy Young years. Has he had any other years that you would consider yeah. very good to great? Yeah. I, I would say the answer is no. <laughs> he's he's ne- he's never had any other season outside of the two Cy Young seasons where we even got to 140 innings. And so, in a way, you kind of know what he is and what he'll be. He's going to miss a lot of bats. He's also going to miss the strike zone a lot because he throws so many pitches out of the strike zone. Uh, He can't give you enough volume because he just runs out of pitches. Mm -hmm. Okay, nobody obviously wants to pay him $240 million because he's not signed in February. But we just talked about all the Mariners' money issues, TV issues. How can that team... Possibly sign anybody who wants two hundred forty million
0: dollars. No, it's not good. No, no. All right, two last things. I'll let you go. Hall of Fame class was just announced, which means Ichiro is on deck. Ichiro, I believe already is. I may have that wrong. I hope I have that right. Any chance at the Mariano Rivera hundred percent for uh, (laughs) for Ichiro next year or no? You
8: know, I had somebody say to me yesterday, "How can Ichiro not be unanimous?" and I wrote this uh, a week or so ago. Sooner or later, somebody has to freaking be unanimous. Some position player. What
0: is the reason to <laughs> not vote for each one? What was the reason to not vote for Ken Griffey Jr. or Derek Jeter? I, Derek Jeter was what three something like that? Jeter three. was
8: one. Griffey was two. Okay, correct. Okay, I think that's what it was. Okay, and the Jeter non-vote. The Griffey non-votes—they came from people who did not publish their ballots, who never admitted to it. So I don't know. Maybe they had a really dumb reason. Maybe they had no reason, or maybe they had—they had a full ballot and they wanted to. They knew Griffey and Jeter were getting in, so they wanted to vote for somebody else. I don't know, but it's just dumb, it I and mean, it's embarrassing to our group. That come on, like Ichiro had forty. Was it
0: 4,300 hits? Yeah. What are we doing? What are we doing? Come on. All right. There's a new general in town in Baltimore. Billionaire investor David Rubenstein. I like his little podcast. I like his little shows. I've been watching them for years. Ultimately, the Angeloses are out. Rubenstein and his group are in. I I have to admit, when I first read the valuation of 1.7 billion, maybe I'm just thinking NBA teams and football teams, and I'm I'm jaded that way. But I thought 1.7 sounded low to me for a baseball team in 2024. So two questions. Then you can go: A, this has got to be a refreshing thing for Orioles fans. I, I'm assuming you're going to tell me that. And B, was I right? Was it low? Was the was the number low?
8: Uh, I'll do the second one first. I don't think there's any doubt that it's a surprise that it was under two billion. Uh, you know, I don't know that $1.725 billion can be considered a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> i like using that word for 1.725 billion, but uh, it was a surprise that it was that low. We have a piece in the athletic on our site right now, which we mm-hmm. surveyed a bunch of people in baseball who all thought that Okay, there is that part, part, Two is, what does this mean for the Orioles yeah. uh, and their fans? They've had a good week. getting <laughs> traded for Corbin Burns, and the, uh, the end of the Angelos is, it's it's sitting right there for them. This has a chance to be a huge development, not just in Baltimore, but across the league, because who has more young talent than the Orioles? The answer is nobody. And the Angelos family just has never shown an inclination to sign players long term, keep their stars, buy more stars. If David Rumenstein comes in the door and says, We're getting this done. Adley Rushman's gonna be an Oriole for life. life.
0: Yeah.
8: <laughs> okay. Jackson Holiday is gonna be an Oriole for life. Gunnar Henderson, Oriole for life. That strikes me as trouble for the rest of the mm. AL East. Mm. And Probably the whole league, because we're talking about players who are going to be stars and are going to be so good for a really long time. They're so young. So, yeah, it's a huge, huge, huge story in
0: the game. What's the next team to to sell? Is it the Nationals down the street or is it somebody else that I'm not thinking of? Yeah.
8: you know, The Nationals are actively for sale. They have been actively for sale. Okay. They're another team because of their tv mess uh, it's been hard to value them that they have to be next you would think that logic would tell you logic doesn't apply in baseball that much but that's what logic would tell you
0: you've been great to me for a lot of years i really uh, appreciate that and you look as uh, billy crystal used to say on saturday night live you look marvelous kid you look marvelous <laughs> hall of famer jason stark thank you jason thanks for being back on mitch unfiltered mitch love being on with you man Well, 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 I smell some better mortgage rates, finally. That brings in Jordan Flowers. Woodenville office, cross-country mortgage, back on Mitch Unfiltered. Rate drops the way that he used to drop passes at Eastlake High School.
5: <laughs> Ouch, man. And
0: that's why he's in the mortgage business, ladies and gentlemen. And the phone should be ringing, right,
5: Jordan? <laughs> well, at least something's ringing off the hook. Yes, it is busy. Phones are ringing like jingle bells. It's awesome. <laughs> We're having a great time here. We're seeing rates already down about a point, point and a half. It took us six months. To lose about 300 basis points on the 30-year 6% coupon, and we're we gained that back in the last 30 days. So wow. things are looking good. Significant.
0: How have the rate drops affected the market that you can tell? And how about new cross-country products that we should be thinking about? as we head towards the new year.
5: Yeah, the rate drops have already impacted the market with uh, buyers getting a little more excited and confident in writing up offers and getting under contract now since they're already seeing probably 500 to $1,000 a month savings in a one to 2% drop in rates from where they were just a few months ago. Yeah, And refis are gonna be coming up here soon, especially as the Fed starts to cut rates. So things are definitely picking up here. And as far as new products go, there's a bunch of products that have been coming out. One specifically, that we're very excited about moving into next year is a construction loan but a construction loan for investors that are looking to build 5 to 10 unit mixed use properties somewhat hard to come across and uh, we are offering it I believe we're one of maybe the only lender in the area offering it right now so mixed use properties 5 to 10 units investors that want to build those apartments or condos and sell them or rent them out yep. we've got that for you so up to $4 million so
0: I'm a Mitch Un- filtered listener who's either looking at a refi or making a purchase and i want to talk and ask questions to jordan flowers directly i call him where
5: you call me or text me directly at 425-890-2957
0: there it is jordan flowers the woodenville office of cross-country mortgage we love them great great partners of mitch unfiltered <laughs>
1: He stepped away from it. Fires, and it is caught! Oh, the deflection!
0: Jalen Pope, the touchdown, off the hands of Malik Muhammad. My next guest on this episode, 274, Mitch Unfiltered, is back safely after his annual expedition to Mobile, Alabama, and the Senior Bowl, where he saw lots of familiar faces attempting (laughs) to improve their reputation Amongst the NFL executive, senior writer for the ringer and our friend,
3: Danny Kelly. How was uh, this go around? Was it good? It was excellent. Yes, it was uh, very sunny and very hot. Everybody got sunburned. Um, There was some okay football that was played. Overall, pretty good. Yeah.
0: Where are the watering holes? Which watering holes do we all assemble at yeah. after practices are over?
3: Where do we go? There is a couple, a uh, place called Haberdasher, I think. And then yeah. there's also, Vietz is the old school one that everybody used to go to. And the, ah. it seems to have changed. It seems to have shifted this year for some reason. There wasn't a lot of people there this year. Oh, so um, you, you were the only one there looking for somebody to hug? At times, yes. It was uh, a little lonely, a little bit weird, bewildering. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, uh, but we found other places, so it's okay.
0: I'd imagine that Mike McDonald and the Seahawks were the topic of NFL conversations, at least at the beginning of oh, the yeah. week, over beers at Senior Bowl workouts. What did you gather? People love them right around the league.
3: It makes me almost a little bit nervous how unanimous the approval was of this hire really? in terms of just like everybody I talked to has a very high opinion of him, you know, thinks he's very smart. Um, every Seahawks fan I've talked to is extremely excited about it because he's done such a good job against like the Shanahan-McVay-type offenses over the years. It's almost like one of those things where it makes you a little bit nervous because everyone's too excited yeah, about it.
0: Yeah, and that's why it's not going to work.
3: Right? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I am pretty optimistic about it. Uh, Are you? Right now, yeah. I think he's he's exactly what they need in terms of really smart scheming, knowing what the offense is trying to accomplish, and then like coming up with ways to combat that, being really good on third down. They get a ton of pressure without having to blitz. So, you know, it's kind of safe and aggressive at the same time. Um, I'm very excited about what they can do with the defense. Obviously, the offense is a huge question mark still.
0: So how would you rate the Ravens personnel on defense versus what greets him when he comes through the door in Renton?
3: At linebacker, the Ravens are significantly better, and that could be a huge deal. Um, Obviously, coming in this year, Bobby is a free agent, I believe. Um, Yep. Brooks is a free agent. So there's some huge question marks at the linebacker position in particular. I think that's the big thing. I mean, the Ravens are more talented. And they have, I think, a more stout defensive line. I think the Seahawks are going to have to make some changes on defense, get some guys in in free agency. It wouldn't surprise me if we see a couple of Ravens defensive players, free agents, come to Seattle. Patrick Queen. I think that they need to get better, but at the same time, I'm pretty optimistic about what he can do with the pieces the Seahawks have. I think they have some young talent. Obviously, uh, Witherspoon is going right. to be, I think, sort of the straw that stirs the drink in this defense, the same way we saw Hamilton be that for the Ravens. Obviously, there are different types of player and very different size, but just a movable chess piece, a guy that can kind of line up all over the formation, bring the intensity, has ball skills. That's going to be extremely fun to see how they can do that. And I think he's just shown an ability to get more out of his players than a lot of other coaches. Too bad. The NFL's
0: not like college in the way that players follow their coaches. Can they just transfer? Can they just, yeah. Yeah, get into the portal? They could he can bring <laughs> yeah. all of his Ravens free agent play all of his defensive free yeah. agents from the Ravens could come right over to San Doesn't work that way, does it, Danny?
3: There's, It'd be so much easier yeah. if that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> all
0: right. You saw Michael Penix, you saw Bo Nix. Had those guys do? Do they help themselves? Do they hurt themselves? What happened?
3: I probably would call it a wash. Um, I think so. I, I, now I've gone to the Senior Bowl. I don't know five or six times, seven times now, and I can't remember really ever being impressed with any of the quarterbacks there. To be totally honest, <laughs> like why? I, um, it's not designed to benefit or make the quarterbacks look good. You're coming in, you have new receivers that you've never played with. For the most part, you're getting, you're drinking water from a a fire hose in terms of like the terminology. Um, you know, obviously just a ton of million different variables that you kind of have to go into. Obviously Penix is coming in and playing from under center a bunch and doing rollouts and all kinds of different things that probably still, you know, not necessarily super comfortable with after not doing that much in Washington. Um, I think the first day one Penix to me was the most impressive and that was sort of a low bar because none of them really looked all that great but he made a couple of impressive throws I thought he was pretty decisive Um, but over the over the course of the three days he you know was up and down he took some sack like quote-unquote sacks like he held on to the football a little bit too long a couple times Um, and that was a that was a sort of theme throughout the day that or throughout the week that the defensive lines of these uh, teams were like dominating the offensive lines at times so there was a lot of pressure and um you know i kind of came out of it not really any different than i came into it i think he still has a chance to sneak into the first round if he had really good interviews if he had excuse me if he had really good interviews if he was impressive with the coaches with how he picked up things i think those are the things that are much more important to teams um in this type of environment is like how how was he as a leader how was he um, learning stuff quickly on the fly how was he able to play confidently was he able to do stuff on the the chalkboard or whatever that they were doing um you know off the field i think those are the more important things and we can't really get a good guess on that yet
0: so why do these guys go if it's hard for quarterbacks to show they can talk to these teams all throughout the process and impress them that way if it's a if it's a means to, hurting your stock or wash the best yeah. you're going to do is a wash in Danny Kelly's eyes. Why,
3: <laughs> why the hell am I going to mobile Alabama? Most of the top quarterbacks don't frankly, you know, that's why over the years you don't see some of the like real tip top quarterbacks going. I think going back, you know, six, seven, eight years, you got Russell Wilson, you have Dak Prescott, some, some Baker Mayfield. I think Josh Allen, those guys have gone to the, gone to those events. But a lot of the times those are the types of players that need to like get some momentum, build, Uh, their draft stock a little bit. And I think the way that they can do that really is in the meetings, in the interviews, showing the composure, showing their knowledge of the game, showing how quickly they can learn and pick up things. Um, Even just like looking like a GM in the eye and talking to them, like sometimes that kind of thing can make a difference. And so I think that's really where you get the advantage. Cause again, it's, you know, like you can show a little bit on the field in terms of like your accuracy and things like that, but it's just so... It's just such a uh, disorganized mess most of the time on offense for these teams. So they're just kind of like trying to make it work on the fly.
0: Mock drafts are all all over the place already. Semi ridiculous to try to predict where each guy's going to go at this early stage. So I won't I won't center on that as much as I'll ask you. Williams, May, Daniels, are they a cut above? Everybody else, is everybody going to project them one, two, and three in some order as we get to get around to April? I, yeah. I hear J.J. McCarthy's name. I don't quite understand that because my eyes tell me something different.
3: Where does, right. Penix,
0: where does Penix fit with all those guys?
3: Caleb Williams, to me, is in a tier by himself. Is I he? think the NFL probably feels that way too, although I think the interviews and, and things like that could change things a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think he's going to be the first pick there's going to be a lot of discussion and controversy over who goes second in terms of Drake may versus Jane Daniels. I think the NFL might be split on that a lot because Drake May was not as precise and, and accurate this year as he was last year. I think Jane Daniels, obviously if you look at the the statistics he put up this year are just absolutely ludicrous and, and well, you know, up there with like a Joe burrow type season. So that's going to push him up. And he also brings much more of sort of a dual threat, style ability to run ability to make plays with his legs. And so it's going to be eyes of the beholder. I think for those two guys, I personally have may slightly higher, but you know, I think that there's quite a few, like the, the whispers at the senior bowl and just people talking, it, it feels like the NFL is going to be pretty high on Jane Daniels too. So then after that, again, it's going to be Nick's Penix, JJ McCarthy, and maybe a handful of other guys, Spencer Rattler, I think was kind of impressive this this week, although I don't think it really pushes him into the first round conversation. But I think that's sort of the tier where it's just going to be, does a team fall in love with this guy? There's going to be Shanahan teams, you know, that tree of offenses that falls in love with J.G. McCarthy because of his confidence throwing over the middle of the field, his mobility, sort of the whole Brock Purdy effect. That's going to, you know, have people looking at Bo Nix and like, oh, he's played for five years. He has all this experience. He's thrown however many touches he's like the all-time record in college football for starts. And so some, some teams to look at that and be like, we can really work with this guy, even though he might not be, and I don't think he's the type of quarterback that's going to like elevate an offense. He could, he could be a guy that you can win with kind of deal. And so, you know, it just is, a, it's a eye of the holder thing for a lot of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's really hard to, to predict right now, but you know, with, with so much bad quarterback play this last season, it wouldn't surprise me if one or two of these guys get pushed up into the back half of the first round, just cause teams want to get that extra, year on the contract
0: the people that are sour the nfl executives that are sour on michael Penix. is it because of the age is it because of the injury history is it because he doesn't throw over the middle all that well or is it a combination of all the above
3: yeah it's a combination of all the above i think the biggest thing is probably the injury history i think that's gonna be something that will take him off of some team's boards altogether. Really? You know, just because he he's had multiple shoulder and multiple knee injuries. Like these are major injuries. And so, you know, there's some teams whose medical teams may just be like, hey, we don't feel comfortable with the long term viability of this. So there's other teams that are going to look at. Um, I think, you know, one thing I was hearing this week is just his inability to sort of take a little bit off of his pitch and like play, you know, like throw like a a touch pass. Like he just has these really strong arm. That's undeniable, but like his ability to take something off the ball, layer it, get it over a defender with accuracy. I think that was some question marks. And then, like you said, his ability to play over the middle of field. Like if you have a, if you have a quarterback that's like not very comfortable or refuses to throw over the middle field, we saw that for years with Russell Wilson, it really restricts what you're able to do with your offense um, long term. And so, I think those are going to be legitimate concerns. Those are concerns I have with him. I do like him I think more than the general consensus probably, but all it takes is one. Yeah, exactly. It just takes, it takes one team one. to fall in love with him yeah, and yeah. you know, I think he's going to I think he's going to do well in the interviews. You know, I think he's a really mature guy. I think he, you know, the experience is definitely going to pay off for him. He's played in multiple different systems. Um, he seems like a very confident guy, so I think all that stuff's going to help him.
0: Your colleague at the Rigger wrote that Roman Wilson of, of Michigan, the wide receiver, mm-hmm. was the best player in Mobile, Alabama. Ooh. Is that true?
3: He was the best receiver, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could make an argument that Quinone Mitchell, the corner out of Toledo, was the best overall player. He was... Absolutely just lock in here. In fact, he had quite a few uh, really good one on ones against Roman Wilson. Yeah. I mean, Roman Wilson to me was a little bit under the radar coming into this week. No one was really talking about him all that much. And and coming out of this week, he's going to be talked about as a second round pick. He's probably not going to be a first round pick just because he's not very big, but this is a player that is really, really sudden, really explosive, really fast. I think he's going to run in the four threes of the combine, which will probably further boost his stock. And he was just a playmaker showed, you know, good hands ability to separate all that stuff. So he was mm-hmm. he was really impressive every day, in fact.
0: Is Marvin Harrison Junior gonna be the first non quarterback taken in the draft? Is that the consensus or could somebody yeah. sneak up and, and, and replace him?
3: I think he to me he's the best uh he has the best odds. I think there is a slight chance some teams might like Malik Neighbors, L S U receiver, a little bit more. Really? He's a uh Wow He's just a little more explosive, I think. I think Harrison Jr. is much more polished and well-rounded. He has the size, he has the speed, athleticism, good ball skills. He's basically everything you look for at the receiver position. He's got great production, um, very competitive with the ball in the air. But Neighbors has, I think, like the sex appeal in terms of just pure explosiveness. He's so fast. We've seen teams fall for that in the past. We'll see if it happens again this year. But a couple of years ago, Henry Ruggs went over C.D. Lamb inexplicably. And that's the type of thing some teams just make that mistake of like, hey, this guy can be our next Tyree kill. Maybe Neighbors is that guy, but I think the speed thing is, is the big element here. I was stunned when I read your first uh, mock draft
0: on the Ringer that you had Jalen Polk in the first round. Yeah. Like, I didn't even expect him to come out of wall. I didn't even know why he was coming out of the university of Washington. I had no idea that NFL execs like this guy, that he could be a high level pick like
5: that.
3: Yeah. I think, I mean, maybe the odds are stronger that he'll be a second or third round pick. The way that I look at this class it is probably, you know, 20 guys or so that are rock solid first round draft, like first round grade type players. Mm-hmm. And then you got another 20 30 guys that are just sort of in that zone of second or third round players. I particularly liked Polk just because he is he's tough, he catches everything, he runs good routes, he runs after the catch. He's kind of just this total package playmaker that can give you that can really help a quarterback out. He has a big catch radius. He catches the hard passes, he catches the ball in traffic. This is the type of player that some team might fall in love with. You see a lot of surprise end of the first round type players. So I just wanted to kind of mix that one in. I don't know if he's probably favored to go in the first round right Right. now. He's probably not. But just kind of one of those guys I want to throw in the mix. Is Roma Dunze fast enough? I think so, yeah. I think he's twitchy enough. I don't know if he'll, you know, he ran, I believe, a 4-3 or something like that when he was in high school. He's a former sprinter. I don't know if you see that necessarily on tape. He's not necessarily super explosive after the catch. But i saw him as a twitchy guy who can get open get off the line easily not not get stuck in press not get held up at the line he's obviously extremely extremely good at the catch point so his his lack of overall you know speed after the catch or speed in terms of his separation ability is not going to be as big of a deal it's you know he's like he caught like 70 percent of the contested passes this year and i don't think it's like because sometimes you look at the contested catch rate and what guys are doing with contested catches and that can be a negative because it means it can't separate but I think Odunze can do that, and you know I think he's a really good player. So I'm not too worried about it. How many Huskies
0: have a shot to go in the first round? You just mentioned three of them.
3: Anybody else? The offensive lineman Troy Foutnu. He's he's definitely um, up there. I, I know he was he had an invite to the Senior Bowl. He pulled out. I don't know if that was because he had a little injury or because he just thought he'd done enough already to like get himself into the first round. But I think I know there's a lot of teams that are really high on him. Some teams might see him as a guard. Um, but he has that versatility to play either tackle or guard, really like light feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I comped him to Elijah Vera Tucker. I don't know if you remember him out of USC a couple of years ago. He's playing for the Jets now. Kind of just a guy that can line up at four spots and, and get starts for you. Okay. Anybody else? I doubt it. I, I will say Roger Rosengarten had a really good week at the senior bowl. I don't think he's a first rounder. I don't know if he has the anchor and the power uh, that teams are going to be looking for with a first round pick, but he was really impressive to me at the okay. senior bowl like just his light feet really athletic good hand use like he was doing the this move was like a snatch move where he kept ripping the guys down and they would like essentially fall down on his feet and he kept doing that over and over he had really good ability to kind of like use the aggressiveness of opposing pass rushers against them so I was pretty impressed with him too I don't think he's a first rounder but you know he might be a day two guy that kind of surprises people
0: deepest position in the draft weakest Position in the draft
3: deepest position is a toss-up between receiver and tackle. I would say so it's a good year for offense There's a lot of quarterbacks. There's a lot of tackles. There's a lot of uh, receivers So that's gonna be maybe we'll see that effect, you know, two years down the line you get better offenses But mm-hmm. and then the weakest position I think is un- almost undoubtedly linebacker or running back Ooh. This is gonna be a season you want to go get a linebacker in free agency rather the draft um, There's a handful of guys that linebacker that might have day one or day two grades from teams. So I think for the most part it's gonna be like late day two, day three type players at linebacker, off off ball linebacker.
0: So McDonald and Schneider better be active in free agency or by way of trade. They're not getting the next yeah. they're not getting the next Bobby Wagner in this draft. That's for sure.
3: Well probably not. I mean we've seen, you know, we've seen them reach we've seen Schneider reach for players that weren't considered first rounders in the past. So I'm not necessarily totally writing it off. But right yeah. now I think that's generally Considered the weakest position in this draft.
0: Last question for Danny Kelly, who has agreed to be with us every day now for the (laughs) remainder of the time between now and the draft of the Ringer. Uh, Danny Kelly, answer this question. Mm. They're going to draft a quarterback, finally. I mean, there's just no way they can keep going year after year after year, the Seahawks, without drafting a quarterback. So let's say they draft a quarterback in the middle rounds, the fifth round. Give me the name of a quarterback – that's off the beaten path mm-hmm. that might make it. That might make it in the National Football League.
3: That's a great question. Uh Thank you. so Spencer Rattler is probably a day two guy. I don't think he's like super off the radar, but he was he's a former big-time recruit, has a really strong arm. Um, I think the drawback, number one drawback, is he's not very big. He's like six feet flat. So he's a he's a guy to keep in mind. And the other guy that really comes to mind here that I think John Schneider's the type of uh, GM to fall in love with is Joe Milton from Tennessee who if you look at like all the records and of distance thrown like miles per hour on their throws like all all this stuff uh, at the senior bowl it's going to be Joe Milton he just has an absolute cannon for an arm like one of the strongest arms like you've ever seen there's videos of him throwing it from like end, end zone to end zone you know what I mean he, he's that type of athlete that type of arm uh, but he's just not very accurate right now but he's a big man very fast like very athletic type of player that you take late in the middle rounds to try and develop him just because he has those tools. So that's another guy could see Schneider liking a lot.
0: Got it. Okay. So he won't be with us every day, but uh, he will be back with us. He has no choice about that. Uh, He will be back with us as we get closer and he gets busier. You got to read him in the ringer, the ringer.com. He's got that mock draft up and use it for what it's worth. Maybe he's going to change where players are going, but you get a sense, you get a, a taste of who's hot who may not be hot as we uh we approach April's NFL draft Danny Kelly of the Ringer thank you Danny thank you as they say, tis the season fireplace season. Fireside Home Solutions. John Waterstrat is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered. How are you, John? I'd imagine everyone on your team over there is jolly this time of year.
9: Yes, they are, and they're really busy. We're uh, <laughs> we're over there getting everybody stocked up for the season, not only for installation stock-ups, but also for uh, product stock-ups. So we're ready to go and serve people here in the Northwest.
0: And you also deal with a lot of repairs. We don't talk about repairs that often when you visit the show talk to us about that
9: yeah either way if tune up a fireplace repair a fireplace or if you need us to replace it just give Mm -hmm. us a call
0: our unit that fireside installed has been working overtime here at the house what's the timetable in the heart of these winter months from fireside home Solutions, soup to nuts we're doing great right now we have uh installers ready to
9: go we have product ready to go so anywhere between two and three weeks we can get a brand new fireplace put
0: in your house wow first the magnificent remodel in bellevue now what am I hearing about adding the Spokane market to the team.
9: Yep, we just opened up our Spokane market. We're about three months uh, new to that market. We're going to be doing the same things we do over here in the Northwest. Everything from the top to the bottom installation, service. Looking forward to serving that community.
0: When do you think the showroom will open?
9: We're hoping sometime here in March and April. We're going to okay. go over and do some layouts. So, yep, we'll be excited.
0: I think Mark Few needs to treat himself in Spokane to some cozy warmth <laughs> after his cold trip to Montlake <laughs> a few weeks ago. So, south to Portland and now east to Spokane, fireplace Gas, electric, wood-burning, garage doors. Begin your search with a great sponsor of Mitch Unfiltered, FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. Other Stuff segment, episode 274, Hot shot. Do you mind if we start... With our beloved Seattle Mariners who are sneaking up on us a little bit, Jerry DePoto, in the last week. Two trades. Two new members of your Seattle Mariners for 2024. Can you name them? Hotshot cannot name them. (laughs) I'm going to wait until spring
1: training and then I'll dial in. Let me know when that happens. You don't want to know their names? I do want to know their names, but you know.
0: First, they traded for a guy named Jorge Polanco from the Twins. A small package of players, including Justin Topa, who's been a good reliever, yeah. and about two or three farm guys, what did they get in 30-year-old injury-prone, of course, Jorge Polanco, because everybody they get is injury-prone. So and in their 30s. You just, you, you just start there. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> you know that's going to happen.
0: They won't right. acquire anybody who's not injury-prone <laughs> because right. that guy's too expensive. <laughs> right. Right. You get a bargain. Sure. You know, you're going over there to the QFC or the Safeway, and there's a, a pound cake where the uh, it's oh. been opened a little bit. <laughs> the little yellow sticker,
1: 50% off. Yeah. It's the grocery <laughs> store.
0: price Because there's a little malfunction in the cardboard box.
1: Yeah. When I was a kid, it was grocery store shoes. Never good. <laughs> Getting
0: shoes at the grocery store, that little bin. Not good, man. Well, let me tell you about their new second baseman slash third baseman infielder. Probably second base to start. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Okay. Three years ago. 33 home runs. Love that. From a second baseman? Yeah. Two years ago, 16 home runs in 100 games. So that's about 22 to 25. Last year, 14 home runs in 80 games. Okay. That's about 28. We're talking about a second baseman now. Yeah, yeah. The Seattle Mariners this week got themselves a second baseman who, if he stays healthy, capable of 265, 270, And 20-plus home runs, I think, is a very, very modest expectation. So they got better. Absolutely got better with Jorge Polanco. And then I told you they traded Justin Topa. They turn around this weekend, and they acquire a guy by the name of Gregory Santos from the White Sox. Okay. He's 24 years old. Sorry, hotshot, not 30. 24 (laughs) years old. Okay. 3.39 ERA and 60 games out of the pen last year was going to compete for the White Sox closers role this year. He's got a fastball or a sinker that gets up to 100 miles an hour. He averages 98.6 miles an hour on that pitch. The league against his slider hits 196. They have added a power arm to Matt Brash and Andres Munoz. So now you've got Santos, Brash, and Munoz, and they traded three minor leaguers together. Now, I'm not saying that they made good trades. I don't know whether they made good trades or not because I don't know about the the minor leaguers that they sent over for Polanco, and I'm not going to pretend to know about the minor leaguers that they sent over for Gregory Santos. But here's what you know for sure. 2024 got better the last six or seven days yeah. because the the people outside of Topa, the, the guys that they traded, were not going to factor into the equation for another several years. They were prospects. Yeah. And you have brought back... A second baseman that has potential to hit 30 home runs, and a huge power right-hander you can put in the back in the uh, bullpen with already great guys in Brash and Munoz. So the Mariners got better. It's a start. No, it's not a start. It's an end. That's this is it. Well, we're getting close to. Okay, I mean, they're running r- out of money. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this an, are these moves enough to bring fans back? Oh, I don't know about fans. I can't tell you about fans. Sure. But if if fans listen to our buddy Jason Stark, Hall of Fame baseball writer, yep. you just heard him on Mitch Unfiltered say nobody in the American League West got better. Houston is not better than they were last year. Texas is definitely not better than they were last year. And as you recall, the Mariners, with about three games to go in the season, were in first place in the, or close to first place in the American yep. League West. So they were right on par with those teams over 162 last year. And if nobody got better, and maybe Seattle got incrementally better with a couple of these, there's a reasonable chance that they could be an American League West division crown.
1: Felt that way last year, too, going into that season. It felt like the Mariners were going to yeah, make some t- noise.
0: And with two games to go, they were right there.
1: I'm just still not okay. I'm over trying. the moon I'm for the Mariners here. right now. But look, I'm trying here. spring training hasn't started. Talk to me after it's over and let me see the starting lineup. I'm trying. Here. <laughs> this is it? That's all I got. <laughs>
0: Congratulations to my old neighbor, Dan Quinn, who I wanted to be the head coach here, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't perfect enough for the Seattle Seahawks. Yes. So he's now the head coach for the brand new ownership regime at Washington. He's the commander's new head coach. Congrats to him. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday is just about here. You get it on CBS. You get Nance and Romo. Thank goodness. I don't have to listen to Greg Olson. I can't listen to Greg Olson anymore. Yeah, he was really getting pummeled on Twitter. It's funny because everybody around football says good things about him. Uh-huh. And yet it feels like the audience, guys like me, don't like Greg. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like Greg Olson. It's weird. What, Can't what, what is it? Can you put your finger on it? Is it a little too chatty for me? Okay. A little too verbose, I guess I would say. I don't know that I like the, the sound of his voice. It's a little <laughs> that <laughs> nails on a chalkboard-ish. Yeah. He turns me completely off, okay. Greg Olson. But mm-hmm. he's not going to be there next year as the number one color commentator on Fox because he's being replaced by some guy named Tom Brady. Well, there you go. At $37.5 million a year Jeez. to call football games, to call one football game a week, to fly to a city and call a football game each week with Kevin Burkhart, $37.5 million a year.
1: All those finals at Syracuse you took thinking one day it's going to pay off. Thirty-seven. 37- Tom Brady never took one broadcasting class in his entire effing life in 37 and a half million.
0: A Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are being courted by a Las Vegas strip club. Oh, Do you know about sure that? Are... Do I know Larry... about that? That's all I know about. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Doesn't know who Jorge Belonga is. That's with. right.
1: I don't know who the hell that is. But...
0: Larry Flint's Hustler Club is offering a $1 million package <laughs> if the Chiefs win. Only if the Chiefs win. Right. If. Because they'll say no if the Chiefs lose. <laughs> <laughs> if Travis. Yeah. <laughs> And Taylor... Come across the street from the stadium. Apparently, this place is right across the street from the stadium. Play dumb,
1: yes. Okay, go on. Well,
0: I've never been to the stadium. I haven't <laughs> been there since the true. stadium. I didn't. Know, I know where this place is. Hey, I didn't know where the stadium come is. Come into our club. You're going to love it. That's so great. Okay, good, Larry. They're even offering round-trip limousine transportation. Now, how could they turn turn away? <laughs> that limousine. Finally, finally limousine. Taylor gets a ride in a limo. Woo-wee, boy, I thought this day would never come. Travis says to Taylor after they win the Super Bowl against the 49ers, hey, let's go over to that club for a million bucks. We just got to go right over there. Taylor says, I'm not going to a strip club for a million bucks. Yeah. I'm not going over there. Come on, let's go over. I'm not going over there. They're going to send a limo. I'm in. That's right. <laughs> Why didn't you say so? I think they should walk. <laughs> Do you know what this I think the two dollars- of them should go to the crosswalk, <laughs> Right. press the button, The little orange beep, flag, beep, yeah. 12, 11, 10, Hustle. nine. Go. We're yeah. going to make it.
1: And you know what the million gets you. So anyone can buy this package. It costs you a million bucks for this. Do do, you know what comes with it? Yeah, I have all the details, but you go give it. Yeah, so you get unlimited access to the $10,000 per hour Moni Suite. I guess that's how it's pronounced. An Ace of Spades champagne bottle parade. I don't know what that is, but I'm all in. And $50,000 for Taylor and Travis to make it rain on the girls. There you go, guys. And unlimited lap dances for life. VIP Platinum Lifetime membership to the Hustler Club. Yes. Which, as you say, gets them free lap dances
0: for life. When was the last time I asked you, Hot Shot, during the uh, other stuff segment of episode two seventy four? When was the last time we mentioned a women's college basketball player not named Caitlin Clark? It's a good question. That's a question. That's a Mitch unfiltered question. Yeah, trivia question. College. I'm going to go whatever. ahead and ask you: Have we ever has have we ever talked about? Any women's college basketball player not named Caitlin Clark?
1: Maybe the LSU player who like, was kind of rude at the end of the game. I don't think Kelsey or...
0: Plum was in college when we were doing no, the show. She was probably out by then. Pretty close, yeah. But no, yeah. It's... Can I break it right now? Please. So what does it take? We don't do a lot of college women's basketball unless Caitlin Clark is faking like she got hit as she... But she also
1: launches threes and is a pretty good player as well, yes. That was
0: so... All right, fine. Drama queen-ish. All right, well, that's... She's going to make a lot of money with that body. You got to protect it. I'm going to mention a name that you've never heard of. Juju Watkins. Okay. So what does it take for us to include a women's college basketball player not named Caitlin Clark? What kind of an accomplishment would somebody have to do to qualify for Mitch Unfiltered's other stuff segment? Set some record, break some record? Well... Let's start with 51 points in a game. That's probably not enough for us to talk about. Her, right. Right? Yeah. If I then threw at you, she's a freshman at USC. So a freshman scores 51. Mm-hmm. That still might not be good enough for us to put her in the other stuff segment. Yeah. If I told you she's the first in Division I this year to go over 50-plus, including Caitlin Clark, we're getting closer, sure are, aren't we? good, yeah. If I told you she did it on the road. If I told you she did it at the road at number four Stanford, impressive. We're now getting even closer. Yeah. If I told you her team upset Stanford in the game <laughs> that she scored fifty one, we're right there now on the precipice of getting her onto other stuff segment. <laughs> yep. But I think what sends it over the top, she scored fifty one. The team scored sixty seven. Wow. When somebody scores fifty one, yeah. When Steph Curry scores fifty one, Golden State scores one hundred and ten. Right. When Caitlin Clark, not this year, scores 51, Iowa scores 83 or 80. This young woman, 51 out of 67. The whole rest of the team scored 16 points and they won. She scored 76% of her team's points. It's like some Wilt Chamberlain stuff right there, right? That to me puts you right over the top. Freshman
1: too, I mean. Good for her. Yeah. Steph Curry did something. Speaking of Steph Curry Saturday night, he's only done one other time in his life. Hug Lindsey Lohan? Scored 60 points during the game, but who did he give the jersey to after the game? And what is that Oh, great question. In case you didn't know, Steph and Aisha are indeed the godparents to Lindsey Lohan's kid. What? Yes. Now, as for the connection you're wondering, Lindsey and Aisha starred together in Irish Wish, which will be released March 15th on Netflix. Oh, Yeah, so they worked together on a movie, and I guess they asked Steph and his wife to be the godparents to their kid, having only known him for... that's bizarre. But you wonder why he went to her, of all people, right? Her and her husband were sitting there, and he signed the jersey to the kid and gave it
0: to him. Lindsay Lohan.
1: So weird, right? How does one save money on Disney World amid soaring prices? You see this story? By going back in time, a TikToker managed to gain admission oh, to the I park God, saw this. for $8 using a golden ticket that was nearly 50 this. years old. The ticket was from 1978 it had been collecting dust. He thought, no way this is going to work. He goes to the park and he actually got in for his $8 ticket that's 50 years old. Mm. Not a bad deal considering, you know, at the time of the purchase for reference, it's like $184 for visitors over 10 and 179 bucks to get in for kids three to nine. And he got in for his $8 ticket that his grandma probably just had laying around the house. Incredible. Love that story. So
0: expensive to go there
1: Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. (laughs) All
0: right. More backlash for Alyssa Milano. We told you last week you were not offended by it, that she went to the GoFundMe route to to raise money Alyssa Milano did for her kid and her kid's team. By the way, I'm selling
1: squares for the Super Bowl for my daughter's team. But go ahead. I'm listening. Are you really? Yeah, I have to. Go ahead. No, you're not. Yeah, we have to. Can I buy some? Sure. You want some? Yeah. Okay. You're in. What's it cost? 20 bucks a
0: square. Holy shit, no they got opinion. expensive money. Like Disneyland
1: days. all of a sudden. What the hell, Christ.
0: I'm going to rag on you like they ragged on Alyssa Milano. <laughs> Her response was the following Listen, every parent raises money for their child's sports teams, and many of them do so on GoFundMe. I am no different. As much as I'd love to pay for the entire team and their families for travel, transportation, hotel, food and beverage, uniform, trading pins, and all the things that teams do. I can't afford to do that. Maybe someday. Also, if I did pay for everyone, my trolls would find something else to be hurtful about. Regardless of how you feel about me, going to my hardworking 12-year-old son's Instagram page and leaving bad messages is so horrid. Leave the kids alone. Let them play baseball. If you're against donating, don't donate. It's kind of sad that she
1: has to come out and talk about things she can't afford does that just kind of bum you out in a way like do
0: we need to know that her personal doesn't bum life? me out as much as it bums me out to hear that people are writing nasty things cool. on her 12 year old's instagram yeah she's hated by
1: one side hated passionately so i could yeah. see people doing that but yeah the, the whole thing it's like how does she make money i don't even know anyway last week i told you about sharon stone
0: On yes so i was gonna are you gonna talk about they're real and they're spectacular I'm not sure I get the reference. You don't, because for the most educated <laughs> pop culture king that I've <laughs> I know ever, what, I for some reason, you just missed the I Seinfeld missed boat. I missed it. How is it possible that the guy I'm looking at I right now—it now, is, it is weird—you should be the biggest fan of Seinfeld of anybody, and yet you don't know Seinfeld. Yeah, it's weird. You sit at home <laughs> and you watch every. Living thing, and you didn't watch the greatest television show of all time. It is true. Are you going to talk about Terry Hatcher? I am, as a matter of it's fact, a, yes. It's it's an iconic episode where Jerry's dating her, <laughs> yeah. and they start talking about, wait, are her boobs fake? And Elaine says, I think her boobs are fake. I think you're dating a girl with fake boobs. Mm-hmm. And then she's in the sauna with her. Yeah. They're both naked, Elaine. And Elaine trips and falls into Terry Hatcher. Yeah. And feels her up. <laughs> God and realizes the boobs are not fake, Terry Hatcher won't have it, breaks up with him, and as she's walking out, she said, and by the way, the real... And they're spectacular.
1: Gotcha. All right. Okay. I got it. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. So go ahead. She got, she's got. she been kicked off of a dating site. Because, because the site of a fake is, profile, They're right?
0: convinced <laughs> it's
1: not really Terry Hatcher on their cockamamie little dating site. That's funny. Which I think is just hilarious. Yeah.
0: All right. My last one is a get well soon to Bernard Longer oh. at age 66 who tore his Achilles during a workout this week. His season is over, as any of us know who have torn our Achilles. My hand is raised. That's a tough one at 66 years old, but he is in the best shape of any 66-year-old on the planet. Nobody's in better shape at 66. Oh, my God. Are you just saying that or No. no? Oh, really? He is. Oh, my God. He is a freak. Oh, he is. He'll be back from this. He'll be winning tournaments. The one sad thing is earlier this year – He had announced that this year at the Masters, you know how Masters champions are always welcome back until they're not. Right. He announced that this was going to be his last Masters because he he can't play the golf course the way they have it set up anymore. It's too long. He can't really compete. So he was going to make this year's Masters his swan song. He won it twice. And now he can't play in it. Aww. So I'm assuming he'll try to come back next year and play in one more Masters. But get well soon to Bernard Longer, one of the greatest winners in Champions Tour history. And then the RIPs. Let me get through a few real quick. Okay. Adele
1: Springsteen, 98 years old, the mother of Bruce, has passed away. Okay. 98. That's pretty okay. cool he had his mom until she was 98 and she okay. got to see all his success. So rest in peace to Adele Springsteen. Got it. Melinda K. Ledbetter-Wilson. The wife of the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson, has passed away. Okay. She was 77 years old. Brian Wilson's this musical genius, if you're not a Beach Boys fan. He's had lived this incredible life, and he met her because she sold him a Cadillac. And there's actually a movie out. Have you seen the movie Love and Mercy? It stars John Cusack and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks as Melinda. Rest Good. in peace to 91-year-old Cheetah
0: Rivera, a pioneering yes, I have that Tony-winning one. Broadway star. Who the- once starred on Broadway six months pregnant. Wow. Her gynecologist was not happy. I'm sure. Yeah. No. No. She bagged the best actress in a musical award for both Kiss of the Spider Woman and The Rink. We got to get the sports wins out of the way. Jimmy Williams, the 1999 American League Manager of the Year for the Boston Red Sox, died at the age of 80. Mike Martin, the all-time winningest coach in college sports history. Not not baseball, not basketball, not football. Yeah. College sports history. He won 2029 games as the manager or head coach of the Florida State Seminole baseball team. Wow. He died at age 79. And you did Cheetah Rivera, Wayne Kramer. I thought you would know this name. I don't, so I threw it in there. MC5 co-founder and activist. Oh, sure. MC5. Dead at seventy-five. One of Detroit's biggest nineteen-sixties rock stars. Kick out the jams. Not sure how I missed yeah, I that. He, yeah. he died at seventy-five. And then there's the one that I'm having my trouble getting my arms around because he was so meaningful. His role in Rocky was so meaningful. At the age of seventy-six, we lost Apollo Creed. Carl Weathers, the one time San Diego State football player, yeah. the one time Oakland Raider football player. That's right, yeah. And of course, Apollo Creed, amongst tons of other popular roles. He was in the crazy Adam Sandler golfing one. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, he, he was right? was
1: awesome in that, where the, the alligator got his hand. He wore this awful wooden hand, yes. this awful prosthetic. Yeah, Pretty goddamn funny, yeah. Yes. And I mean, his legacy, though. So, Michael B. Jordan, as you know, plays his fictional son in the Creed movies, like, right. Right. He, he wasn't even the star Rocky, but he's got, you know, endless amounts of movies with his son that people care about. I mean, his legacy is impressive, and right? He
0: lived in Woodby Island yeah. for a long time. Yeah, I, think that's I don't right. know that he died in Woodby Island, but he, he lived in Woodby. Island, died in his sleep yeah. this past week. And I think anybody who's ever listened to me either on this podcast or on the radio show knows what the movie Rocky means to me. I was nine years old in November of 1976, and I swear to you, as I sit here, I remember it vividly. My father took me to the Twin City Mall to see this movie called Rocky, Mm -hmm. and I sat there on the edge of my seat. I remember the car ride home. This is a true story. It was just me and my father asking my dad at age nine who won the fight because if you go back and you watch it, through a nine-year-old's eyes, yeah. it wasn't really clear. It's not. They do announce, and you do see Apollo Creed celebrate the win, but that's not the point of the movie, right? That's so they right. don't fixate on who actually won that decision. That's right. The fact so, that Rocky could hang with them was the point the of the movie. The fact that he yeah. made it to the distance yeah. and he's yelling for Adrian and everything, and I was frustrated as a nine-year-old because I didn't <laughs> feel like I knew who won, the, yeah. who won the fight. I remember my dad driving home from the Twin City Mall saying, Mitchell... The point of it was, here's this underdog who went the distance with the champ. That was the story. The whole movie, I was so fired up. That movie means so much to me. And to hear that he's passed away at 76 is a real hard one. Did you ever try to get him on the show? Was there ever? You know, I think we did
1: back in the radio days. We tried to, and I just remember. Always a no? Yeah, always a no. Just not interested in doing any of that kind of stuff. No publicity. Somebody actually tweeted me and said that they would see him on Whidbey Island or whichever island it was. Yeah. And people kind of knew just to leave him alone. And, you know, you could give him a little head nod and a wink and he'd do it back. Like, I I know that you know who I am and thank you for not bugging me. Kind of. He was just that kind of guy. Just kind of wow. like to be left alone. I know he was in an episode of The Mandalorian, which is a Star Wars show. People love that that's show. Right. I mean, that's right. But that's like a new show. And right. he was in it and he, he was w- working. I mean, he was
0: part of one of the big Super Bowl commercials that was supposed to air this coming weekend. What a bummer. That they're now going to change. And I can't recall who it was with, but... Can I get some headlines to take me take my mind off of that? A Tesla plunged into a
1: Norway fjord, you know, a body of water, before Thank screaming you. occupants were rescued from it. Those Teslas are pretty smart. Now they extinguish the fire before it even starts. A Houston airport hangar's fire suppression system accidentally sends foam onto the tarmac covering a parking lot vehicles and equipment. And this is the state that wants us to see from the union. Okay, good luck. Novak Djokovic, you love him. Yep. He states that there's one particular tree that he's been having a special relationship with for the past 15 years. Really? Yeah, judging by how tall and slender the tree is, I think it's safe to say it's his. And finally, a Pizza Hut eatery in Ontario. Really? A Pizza Hut eatery in Ontario gained infamy online due to an unfortunate typo in a posted sign lamenting unforeseen circumcisions. They meant unforeseen circumstances, obviously, but... Unforeseen circumcisions. Well, they've since corrected the mistake, and they're offering a new special to save customers a lot of money: one slice and no tip.
0: I thought you were going to say cocktails.
1: <laughs> you could have probably come up with one of a hundred on that one.
0: One slice and no tip is a hell of a deal, though. I'd like to say that his headlines next week or in three weeks when he's back are going to be better, but uh, I, can't, I can't. I can't promise you. No, you don't. I can't make, make no promises. No, no, no. Episode 274 is in the books. <laughs>